In this corner with Brian Campbell and Adam Silverstein. And before we get into the pro wrestling madness, we do want to take a time and recognize the passing. Breaking news that just came in to the ITC studio of the WWE legend Hall of Famer Bruno Sammartino, who died at 82 on Wednesday in his native Pittsburgh. And Adam, big blow to the industry. And the whole sort of idea is trying to sort of sum up what he meant to this business. And the footprint was large. And if I have to try to do that, not to pull the Jonathan Coachman and give you one word, I might give you two. And say honesty and integrity. Because that's really the bedrock of who his character was and why it worked during the prime territory days of the 60s and 70s as an Italian immigrant, a brawler, a, a working class type person who represented a lot of the fans that were allowing him to sell out Madison Square Garden in New York so many times. But Adam, also the principles he stood up for, including going against Vince McMahon and WWE during the steroid trials of the late 80s and early 90s. And not just that, also Vince McMahon Sr. and all the issues he had with payments and and things that he fought for professional wrestlers. I, I think he was the first wrestler to receive a percentage of the gate for his appearances and, and, and have it in his contract that he was only going to fight at major venues like Madison Square Garden. The nickname Living Legend is perfect. I mean, unfortunately, obviously, now he's not living, but he was the living legend of his time, and he's a legitimate legend in the professional wrestling business. I mean, like you said, he was an everyman, right? He was someone that you could root for because you recognize parts of yourself in him. He was bullied as a child coming over from Italy. An immigrant didn't speak English. He was scrawny. That's why he became a weightlifter. That's how he got oh, yeah. to his size, 5'10", 280. I mean, this was a massive dude who, unlike the other guys who were mat wrestlers, right, back in the day, he was the strong man. He was going to beat you with bear hugs and just power moves. And, and there he beat was guys a, in 48 seconds, you know? It's such a story of overcoming. I mean, you know, the Kurt Angle broken freaking neck to a gold medal while Bruno wrestled, you know, through broken necks and, and just overcoming what he did as a child, escaping Nazi invasion in Italy. But his footprint on the business is really about an era when the championship belt still meant something, and he really made it mean something, not just in the fact that he's got the record for the longest WWE title reign, of course, WWWF back then, but right. really, Adam, an eight-year run and then another three-and-a-half-year run for like an 11, 12, 13-year run. This guy's the face of not just the Northeast Territory, WWWF, but really pro wrestling in general, and it's almost like... People born in the Great Depression. They only knew Franklin Roosevelt as president, right? He was he was four terms for, for nearly 12 years. You only really knew for a certain generation Bruno San Martino as the face of the business. And there's very few people who ever became that. And certainly his career ended just before the national invasion, the launch of Hulkamania. And Hulk Hogan obviously became that next face. But for people, growing, you know, me growing up, my dad's generation, it was Bruno or it was nothing. Well, his last WWF match was against Hogan. It was a tag team match. And he's the one guy, I think he's the, the literally the one guy who has been Capital Wrestling Corporation, WWWF, WWF, WWE, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2013. Who else is there that literally spanned all those generations? And he wrestled in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I think he made a couple appearances maybe for NWA and WCW in the 90s. It's just it's it's truly incredible. And I think you're seeing from the outpouring of affection um, from WWE superstars, from legends, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who inducted him into the Hall of Fame, how important Bruno Sammartino 
was to the industry and popular culture as and well. I was so happy when he went in the Hall of Fame in 2013. Triple H facilitated, he you did. know, mending those bridges. I thought it was important because for for guys my generation who came in right as WWF went glo- when you know national. Hulkamania, Rock and Wrestling Connection. Bruno was in the commentary booth. He was a living legend. He was sort of that Babe Ruth character. And when he did get back in the ring, including that run he had in that mini feud with Savage around 85-86, yep. still selling out big time, including what Bruno would like to say, outselling Hogan during that time in select cities in the Northeast. So the guy could bring it. The people loved him. We wanted to give him his shout. But hey, hit my music. Shake up behind us. Let the sand and gold pave road to Jeddah begin. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Pro Wrestling Edition as we light the match and set fire to your feel house with another lethal dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear just about ready to unleash another jacked-up and loaded episode featuring a recap of a wild superstar shakeup across WWE, including debates over which brand was victorious and a gluttony of entertaining interviews this episode that you simply won't want to miss who do we have well we've got the very best in the world at what he does chris jericho stops by to talk about his participation in said greatest royal rumble card in saudi arabia and update the latest on his current status in relationship with wwe we will also dip back into our recent archives of collected sound from wrestlemania weekend with prime cuts of audio Featuring the Good Brothers, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, Dolph Ziggler, Dash Wilder, Mickey James, and The New Day. Yes, and to help me chop it all up is the bad guy himself. Oh, yeah. He's no longer from Russia. He has very little love, but he's the Silver King. Adam Silverstein. Hey, now, this is a big show, and the Chris Jericho interview was great. The Good Brothers interview was hysterical and a lot of fun to do with you back uh, at WrestleMania. I'm excited for this. I'm pumped up. Yeah, Adam, I want to remind all of our listeners that if they haven't dropped us a five-star review to spread the word for the ITC on Apple Podcasts, that they definitely should do just that, especially considering the guests that we have in mind, not just this for this show, but for the next few weeks. I'm going to expose myself, so excuse me while I rip this out. We got a ton of great stuff coming your way. In fact, Adam, we may need to hire another member of the ITC staff just to sort out this overabundance of great sound we have stockpiled. And speaking of hiring, hey, right? Posting your position to job sites and waiting, waiting, waiting for the right people to see it. No, no more. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. How good? Well, hey, in fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter does not stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. 
ZipRecruiter is how you find them. So, Adam, please tell the ITC listeners how they can take advantage. Businesses of all sizes, BC, can trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, listeners of In This Corner on CBS Sports can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, F-R-E-E, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. And now it's time for... This is the main event! Oh, yeah, you fired up for the Superstar Shake-Up, Silver King? What do you got for me here? Uh, oh, I'm fired up. If you've seen me on Twitter the last uh, two days and, and you heard me on last week's episode of In This Corner, you know I'm fired up, BC. So, yeah, our first main event, the Superstar Shake-Up. There is so much to talk about that we are going to be getting to it Throughout the entire show, parts of Hero or Zero will touch on it, but let's talk about the biggest moves here, right? What stands out to you, BC, most from Monday and Tuesday night? I was uh, lucky to be at Monday Night Raw in Hartford this week, so I got a great view of it up close. I really, Second row. Yeah, I, third, close enough. I third really row. enjoyed SmackDown as well, and look, I like the way this shaked out. I'm not... A, Obviously a big fan. I know you aren't either of the way they do it, let's say. I'd like a more sports feel. I'd like a more draft type of type of setup there. We, we don't get that, but we do get fun reveals, and we had it this way. And to sort of recap, it's basically what? Raw gets Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Jinder Mahal, Riot Squad, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, a couple others. But SmackDown gets The Miz, Asuka, Jeff Hardy, Big Cass, Absolution, Sanity, Good Brothers Bar, seeing Almas. I mean, it goes on and on. Samoa Joe. A Samoa Joe. Like, I can't believe I didn't even have that on my list. Yeah, that's like the biggest one. Go ahead. It's arguably the biggest one. No question about it. And so if you ask yourself, you know, what does this mean? Who, Which brand won? Who has the better roster right now? Holy cow. For everything we endured, Adam, SmackDown Live. I don't know if you want to use the word dominated, because, but they dominated the superstar shakeup. And it may be a, more, a domination more about depth than three or four giant stars. Because, look, Raw, the flagship brand, look, they're always going to have Reigns, Rousey, Brock Lesnar. We know that, right? They're going to have that. But as far as depth, I am so fired up for this blue brand, a brand I wanted to avoid, a brand that last week you nearly had a coronary predicting the <laughs> doom for. Silver King, you, it's time for commitments. You got, you got to stand up in the face of this. I told you to chill out and wait and see. Do you, do you like what you see afterwards? So I, I will say this. I'll, I'll concede in some ways, but then I'll support myself and back Don't myself hedge. Up in other, Don't hedge. Don't hedge. No, I'm going to because it, it deserves a hedge. So what I will concede is that SmackDown got the three biggest additions in The Miz, Samoa Joe, and Asuka. All right? That's that's the concession. However, it's it's just not like you're using you're using the word depth for SmackDown. Yeah, I don't see that per se. Well, under the guise of a two hour show for a two hour show, they're it's, they're it's actually loaded. gratuitous. Where normally Raw's the one who has like more it, pieces than they could use. You know? If you if you give me the two rosters side by side and you said this one's two hours and this one's three, which would you rather watch? It's going to be SmackDown. Now, there's no question about it. There's obviously some caveats there. The first one being the writing on the show, which, again, last night you saw was 
disastrous in my disastrous opinion. Disastrous is not the right word. It started bad. You cannot call last Tuesday night's episode disastrous. If you are, you're just a straight <laughs> hater. I, I'm not saying just, we got to turn. Just, just by announcing good names doesn't make the writing good. They didn't. I mean, we're going to get into some of this, but I, I thought the writing in certain spots was good. Look, I'm not saying I, post-mania we got to keep this as a powers of positivity only show. We tell it like it is. When it's good, we say it's good. When it's bad, we say it's bad. And I know typically post-mania, it is pretty bad. They do tend to go in that April-May drought. Right now, though, Silver King, I, I got to protect the positivity. I'm I'm really excited about where this is going. Yeah, I, I didn't like certain things about Tuesday. We'll poke holes at it. But you can't tell me you weren't coming out of Tuesday's episode with a, with a little bit of a high. You had to have. I, f- I didn't come out of a high. The, I didn't leave the episode on a high. But I was happy to be proven, I don't want to say it, semi-wrong in that they gave SmackDown enough to make it juicy, to make you interested in it, to make you think that changes are coming to the blue brand and they're all going to be positive. Whereas with Raw, let's be honest, they got a lot of crap. And if you're going to judge the GMs, Paige way outmaneuvered Kurt Angle and Kayfabe. Like, not even close. She traded a title, got the title back. Kurt Angle allowed the guy that he traded to be in the title match, you know, to take it off Jinder Mahal. And really, like, let's just talk about this. They got Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who lost multiple title opportunities. Again, I'm talking in kayfabe a little bit here. Um, Jinder Mahal, who I don't need to talk more about him. Dolph Ziggler, who basically jobbed every single new NXT come up that they had on SmackDown. And now he's teaming with one, which is awesome, by the way. Baron Corbin, who lost money in the bank. Bobby Roode, who is over with the crowd, but not great in the rings. The women, SmackDown, like if the men SmackDown dominated, they exploded on the women, like trading an absolution for Riot Squad, getting Oscar for Natalia. I mean, SmackDown is way, way right, better. So stay right there. Pause bottom. right there. You just said they're way, way better top to bottom. So you can't hedge. You have to eat your words. You My were pro- predicting death in doom last week that we were going to see a repeat of 2017, that Vince was going to take all the good talent and put it on Raw, that forget the booking for a second, just who we have to, to play with through that awful run last year of welcoming committee, Jinder on top. You, you predicted depth and doom, and now we got to hit you with this. And when I say we, I mean myself and everybody who tweeted at you this week. <laughs> We're not the kind of guys to say we told you so, but we told you so. You got you to gotta eat that humble pie cold right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll eat the humble pie. It's fine. Um, I think a large part of my concern, going back to last week, had to do with what WWE gave Raw immediately coming out of WrestleMania. When I saw Bobby Lashley, Authors of Pain, and Ember Moon go over there, I said, oh my God, they're doing it again. Like they gave them everyone, all, all, I, I thought, all of the call-ups, right? And there was the chance for Andrade Cien Almas to come over. There was the chance for Sanity to come over. We'll talk about Sanity later in the show. Um, but even those additions, I said, well, if they're just going to leave Braun, Joe, Rollins, and Balor on Raw, that's going to be a major problem. Well, guess what? They did leave three of those four, but they took Samoa Joe and they put him on SmackDown with The Miz. They got two guys who can work at the main event level and talk on the mic even though TNA did not allow Joe to, and those two additions evened out anything else that I was concerned about. And, and look, it's, we, we've, it, we were ad nauseum about how bad SmackDown was last year, and I'm not saying that this is going to definitely mean the booking's going to improve, but I do again have to say Tuesday night did gave me a little of both, but it gave me more positive feelings than negative. Certainly the booking is going to have to match the talent on the roster, but again... 
we have really good talent on the roster. This reminds me a lot more of post-draft summer 2016 SmackDown Live than Absolutely. certainly it does post-Mania 2017. And when we look at now, following the changes, which marquee feuds we're most excited about, it's like from the oh, blue man. side... It's holy crap. Like, obviously, first and foremost, what has to jump out at you is the potential of Ms. Daniel Bryan. No question about it. But just take, for example, AJ. Just pick AJ, for example. You're telling me AJ's 2018 could, could look like this. Finish off what has been fun against Nakamura. Maybe a feud with Samoa Joe. Maybe a feud with Miz. Maybe a feud with Daniel Bryan. Like, are you kidding me? If that's the only good thing we get out of SmackDown for the next year, I'm tuning in every Tuesday night fired up. Jeff Hardy as well. I mean, he's, I think you kind of like dismissed it a little bit when I said it last week, but main he's he can be in the main event. You, he can't hold the WWE title at this point in his career. It wouldn't necessarily make sense. Him as a mid-carder is better, but he can be in a main event program for six weeks to eight weeks, and it's totally fine against a heel, whether it's the Miz, Samoa Joe, et cetera. Those are matches that we want to see. Um, but again, it, it's going to, on SmackDown, as it always has, it's going to come down to the booking and the writing. It, it just is. You can give them as much talent as they can possibly handle, but if you're going to give us a Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn feud for nine months or something equivalent to that that just doesn't make sense week to week and strings it on over and over again, there's we have a problem. I'm actually going to bring this up, BC. My biggest concern about all of this is that WWE has jam-packed so much into a four-week window. WrestleMania, the Raw after WrestleMania and SmackDown after WrestleMania call-ups, the Superstar Shake-Up, and now the Greatest Royal Rumble, which honestly is a reset of many of the WrestleMania matches, and now has all these matches taking place that don't totally make sense. Yes, US title, Intercontinental title could both change hands on the show, and each brand would have a mid-card title. But you have Samoa Joe now going into backlash in two months as a SmackDown superstar against Roman Reigns. And you have Samoa Joe competing for the Intercontinental title. And you have The Bar, which is now on SmackDown in the Raw title match at the end of the Tag Team Eliminator. So it's like, guys, if you know what's going to happen here, book it better. Yeah, I, there, there's going to be some some streams that unfortunately get crossed cross there and you're going to have moments like now where we're like well I guess the bar's losing the raw tag team belts if they're going to smack time I mean, and there's little parts like that that don't make a lot of sense but again I have to compare this to recent memory post mania that April and May dive that we get a lot hey anybody that forgets about that go back to 2015 after Seth Rollins won the title and that putrid two and a half month stretch of him feuding with Randy Orton right after where the product was just so bad and vanilla that I really was just considering never watching again it could be that right now but maybe I don't love things like the Greatest Royal Rumble, but I love the excitement that it's creating. I love that every week, whether it was last week just the runoff from Mania, this week the shakeup, next week now the build toward Jetta. After that, the build toward Pay Backlash and a dual-branded card. I'm, they got my attention. There's things that, that... Look, I want those five hours, and that's the minimum five hours, by the way, but I want those minimum five hours I'm going to give them to start my week to redeem. And would I dumb down my expectations for a couple plot holes to get five really good hours? Yeah, I'm at the point at this stretch, this day, this month in my fandom. Yes, I will. I'll focus on the things that fire me up and not necessarily play Operation to try to pick out every little bad thing. I want to enjoy my time as a wrestling fan. And last year, with that blue brand nonsense, they, they took a piece of my heart. I can't, be, I can't go back down that road. 
so I, I am criticized for nitpicking, but I, I just don't think I am. And I think calling these little potholes is a little uh, downplaying it almost. It, these well, are the, pretty the, big well, potholes. Okay. Plot no, the, the ones you mentioned are not really big because we haven't seen them play out. Stuff last year on SmackDown, I couldn't let go either. I was out of, of course, control yeah. because it just made me that mad because I was just getting unredeemed time. You have a tendency to get ahead of the game, hold them to their sins, and then set yourself up for failure and then welcome in the failure. And I think the powers of positivity, BC, and our fired up, marked out, smarked out listeners are like, <laughs> you got you to get out of that puddle. We got to well, pull you out. I, I, I do welcome the negativity um, because I, I feel like I foresee it happening. And we did in many ways over the last few months leading into WrestleMania. Like, you can't, you can't say that I'm pessimistic without good reason when it comes to WWE. That said, you know, as I've proven, I think, at the early part of today's show, I, I will admit when I'm uh, incorrect, because the other W word I, I'm not too fond of, uh, but I, I can admit that, look, I am now geeked up for the potential of what SmackDown can bring us. What I am not totally thrilled about, and this is kind of a good way to wrap up, I think, this part of the show. WWE is moving to these single-branded pay-per-views, right? Uh, sorry, dual-branded pay-per-views. Uh, one per month, basically, 12 pay-per-views, plus the greatest Royal Rumble, so I guess I'll have 13, if you want to consider it that, this year. I almost wish that they had gone back to what they did in the prior draft era, where instead of having dual-branded pay-per-views, they just did one pay-per-view every month, and it was they switched brands. So they would do Raw in January, SmackDown in February, and go from there. And then they obviously, January and February were bad examples, obviously, but they had the dual-branded Royal Rumble, the Big Five, Big Four. It's so a, That's an interesting way to, to look there, at it, yeah. My, my point being is there's so much on SmackDown right now, as an example, that I really want to see. And I'm not even talking about title matches. Just like Bludgeon Brothers versus The Bar. Usos versus The Bar. Like How about just the whole new matches. and improved women's division? Like, I know, obviously, we could get a reboot of the welcoming committee in a month from now be swearing and crazy, but the fact you have Asuka, Charlotte, Carmella... And now Absolution on the same brand, like I, I'm catching the feels. Like there's yeah. there's directions that we can go here. Well, plus Becky's still there, so I, I almost like I want a SmackDown only pay per view card. I don't want one every month, but I also don't want three SmackDown matches on a four hour pay per view. You know what I'm saying? That has six Raw matches. Well, so this, it, this... it almost leaves me wanting too much. Where previously it was giving us too much. There's there's a happy medium. I, well, I think, again, we have to see how it plays out because you bring up a good point. And the point is, ultimately, that we don't know how the single, the dual-branded pay-per-view structure now moving forward will affect the impact of the Superstar shakeup. Will it only be Raw versus Raw and SmackDown versus SmackDown on these uh, future pay-per-views, or will it be a mix? I mean, you know, we think right now, for example, we'll get to that in a second, though, but for example, we think right now we're going to see Roman Reigns from Raw and Samoa Joe from SmackDown at Payback Last or whatever the oh, first that's booked. real... No, that's happening. So that's, that's an example of, of cross-branding something. How much will we see that? Will, will, will my excitement for SmackDown, having an improved roster and now the potential to be really strong again, not really matter because we're still going to see cross-pollination and will said cross-pollination improve the overall you know, land landscape of where we are right now. It's, it's really the only thing we can do is wait and see they, Sure. They, there's potential to screw it up, but there's also potential to have loaded pay-per-view cards featuring a lot of again, dream match, not the right word. I know you hate that. If there's, there's a softer term than dream match, you know, uh, highly anticipated matchups, uh, you know, all right, highly, yeah. things matchups that you want to see. Wanna there's see, a lot yeah. of stuff we want to see. 
we got that potential now. I, I look, I don't have full confidence they're going to do it, but I'm going to say let break break. Let me give me give you a chance to not break my heart before I prepare for the damage. Oh yeah, I'm uh, see, I'm not being pessimistic about this new pay per view structure. I'm just seeing what could potentially be a fault there in that they made such a drastic change from two per month to now one per month dual branded that it's like you know what I actually do want a SmackDown only pay per view now with these wrestlers now. Maybe they could have just delayed it six months, and some months they do do dual brand, some months they do just Raw, just SmackDown. I don't. They jump so often from one extreme to the next, and they don't just figure out what works at that time and go with it. That that's the frustrating part of WWE for me. It's like, oh yeah, Rusev's going to be in the casket match. Nah, he's out. He's in the Royal Rumble. Nah, he's back in the casket match. We'll talk about that <laughs> later too. But it's just, why don't you just wait to announce the match until you know exactly what you want to do? What do we got? All right, let's see where how it plays. I want to get into the second part of the main event this week, and it spins off on a lot of what we just talked about. I entered SmackDown, Adam, like I'm sure you did, thinking like this is the same old crap. Are you telling me AJ Styles, who just called up Nakamura, is going to accept a match against Rusev for absolutely no reason just one minute later? But I thought the show ended with two heels standing on top, BC sitting on his couch, fired up, and maybe... The SmackDown brand, not redeemed because we got to see what happens, but pointing in the right direction and getting me optimistic after Shinsuke Nakamura crashed the main event tag team match, punched AJ in the, in the nuts again, and Big Cass laid out Daniel Bryan with a giant big boot, seeming to maybe trigger a program. So I'm, I want to hear your take on these, but I want to start right there because I think it's the biggest story. Daniel Bryan and a returning Heel, now on SmackDown, back from injury, big cast. And the potential of a shortish, we think, program. I never would have guessed this. I never would have wanted this. I know Vince loves the idea of pushing big cast more than any of us fans or journalists or critics alike seem to agree with. But am I crazy? I exited the show going, yeah, this is exactly what we need right now. And this is going to be awesome because both really could use this feud for two opposite reasons. Brian getting some... Good ring time to get him ready for the big business he's probably going to do heading into SummerSlam, whether that's Miz or not, you know, could be. It looks like it. Getting a chance to bump against a big guy, which presents a good visual. And Big Cass really getting great experience against a guy who can really go, who can give him the popularity rub at the same time. I, I'm ready for you to try to throw knives at this, but I think that this thing is fantastic. So you get to pick. It's dealer's choice. You want the pessimistic view or the optimistic view first? I don't. Th you can't have both. You can't have it both ways. This is a Burger King. Give, give, give me. No, it's a conversation. <laughs> this is a conversation. You have to. You have to give all sides to an argument. Um, give I'll me start your, with the your, pessimistic your, your, view your, first. your fan feeling. What's the What's the fan? What's the Adam Silverstein? Uh, fan the saying? fan. It's like okay, this is weird. Like I don't care about Big Cass and Daniel Bryan. It seems strange to me. There is a built-in storyline that I have a feeling they're going to get to with this, which is Big Cass was cleared the same day as Daniel Bryan, but got a total of zero publicity for it because guess what? No one cares about Big Cass in comparison to Daniel Bryan. So I think that is a nice angle and a good reason to have this feud. I think visually they would work well together. My concern, and maybe I just need to get it out of my head at this point because Daniel Bryan's cleared and he's wrestling, but I feel like, hey, maybe Bryan's like second match back in WWE shouldn't be against a relatively inexperienced large man power move doing Big Cass. Like, Maybe there's a better way to get him ready uh, and get him reintegrated into WWE. Again, that's me coming maybe from a just a concerned party standpoint. It's weird. Um, it's strange that WWE already announced that Brian will fight The Miz on multiple UK house shows in May. So how long does this storyline 
actually play out? Is it only for TV for a couple of weeks to get us through the greatest Royal Rumble until Brian and Miz square off? I don't necessarily know, but I can't say I'm jacked up and excited about it. Whereas with Nakamura and AJ Styles, they got me going and Nakamura is hitting every single rung on the way up to the top of WWE. Oh, wow. Can I just give you this? That's the feeling I get when Nakamura makes these crazy heel faces. And don't these crazy faces work so much better as a main roster heel than as a baby face with no backstory on the main roster who we're throwing at you and calling him a rock star? Everything we didn't like about Nakamura now rules under the facade of a heel and the maniacal look and going back to the well one more time on the, uh, you know, the whole idea of... Sorry. No speak English. <laughs> this is a home run in a half, Adam. Like, you got to be fired up at who he is. The faces suddenly make sense. Everything about this is great. I don't want this feud to end. I think we're going to end up looking back at that Mania match, which we were only disappointed in, by the way, because it wasn't an A-plus match. And I really stand on that theory. I really get physically angry when people say, well, that match sucked. No, it didn't suck. It was just a B or B-plus match when you were expecting steak, right? You were expecting the best match of all time. Yes. If you looked at that as a as what it was, the style of match they were doing, I think it's ultimately the perfect place setter for the matches they could have if this feud keeps going. Clunky? No, nothing about this was clunky. Hitting somebody in the nuts should be clunky. Doing it repeatedly should be worse. How is this guy making it this awesome? Yeah, I don't know. I think the way he's selling it with like, it's an uppercut. It's not just the quick like bang and then like the guy falls down and, and he's a heel. It's the full uppercut, like flipping him over his shoulders in a fireman's carry almost. Like he's just going full bore with the, the low blow. I think that sells it. I think the fact that his facial expressions and attitude that we buy into, bought into with him as a face works so much better with just a slight little wry smile or wink of the eye with him as a heel. I also think sneakily Renee Young is doing an amazing job helping him get over as a heel by just not understanding why he would be doing something like this. She's so good in that role. The whole package just really works well together. And whereas we thought a year ago at this time, actually not a year ago, nine months ago at this time, that Nakamura was just destined for failure, not because of him, but because of Vince, the rock star graphic, all the stuff that you mentioned. It's now like, oh, they figured it out. He just needed to be a heel because, and this is a true statement in the history of WWE over the last five, six years, WWE writes heels so much better than faces. They don't know how to write faces. Hey, well, and at the same time, you also hear every single wrestler on a podcast talk about it's so much easier to be a heel because it's almost it like you can screw up and it's part of the character. You can just, there seems like a lot less pressure, a lot less pressure to try to be perfect. He's reveling in this in the same way that Finn Balor seems happy and comfortable when he got reunited with the Good Brothers. I know that seems to be over now, but it seems that same joy and happiness. I did want to close on, on one thing on Brian and, and Cass. If we think we are heading into Miz, Brian, heading into SummerSlam, and some people are already hitting me on Twitter going, you know, oh, too soon, or or whatever, or are people mad at him going against Cass right now and saying, should he go against Miz right now? No. Unless Miz is a WrestleMania feud, unless they're going to cash that in, which in reality, they probably wouldn't make it a WrestleMania feud because Miz, to them, I think at this level, is the best version of intercontinental-level guy they can have. That's SummerSlam written all over it. And for anyone who says, well, that should be Mania... Think of how many people Daniel Bryan 
could be and probably will be considered defeuding heading into next year's Mania. If Ryan, if Brian has a chance to feud with Styles or Reigns or Lesnar in next year's Mania, I think that's a better better foundation. Reigns or Lesnar? I'm just giving you the top. Come on. I'm essentially giving you the biggest names and saying if they somehow work a feud like that or or Nakamura as champion or whatever you want. That's a good platform for that. SummerSlam sometimes is better for these really juicy emotional angles. I'm fine if they end up get him back into full wrestling shape against Cass and then really start milking those gears for the Miz heading into the summer. So I have zero, zero issue if they pay it off at SummerSlam. Not a problem, okay? I do, however, think it is a feud made in WrestleMania heaven because this isn't one year. It's not two years or three. It's legitimately like five years of storyline originally unintentioned when Miz was his NXT pro and, you know, Brian and him revolted against one another and then moving into the talking, you know, everything that happened when he joined the main roster, moving into the talking smack and all the little hints of things that have happened over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. It's, it's a legitimate five-year feud that when you talk about a video package and building a program that if WWE took their time with it, in my opinion, it could main event to WrestleMania because fans actually care about the superstars. You're, you could have the names as big as possible, as AJ Styles, as Roman Reigns, Shinsuke Nakamura, Brock Lesnar, The Rock, okay? I bet you, if you gave fans an option of The Rock versus Roman Reigns, no matter how well they build them up, or Ms. Daniel Bryan to main event WrestleMania 35, it's never, fans it's are going to go with— main eventing. This never, though. It's not ne- because— uh, but, uh, I'm just saying, no, I'm just, my, my point is, the, the, the genesis of the point I'm trying to make is, they have something ready-made for them. They don't need to just throw That's it out true. there and get it out of the way. I will say, it has a lengthy backstory that, would mean a, that could mean a WrestleMania match, but it's also a smart matchup. And historically, smart matchups with that kind of juice are best paid off on the smart WrestleMania, which is called SummerSlam, right? Where WrestleMania is still where you need Daniel Bryan going against a Roman Reigns. You scoffed at that, but are you kidding me? Like, Daniel Bryan against Roman Reigns? Like, that'd be... Anyone remember 2015 Fastlane? That would be unbelievable. And that could... If, if Vince starts to look at Bryan and repairs his booking sins from 2014 and 2015, and maybe even from 2012, if you want to go back, and can really use Daniel Bryan, I'm going to use that term, use him for driving as much traffic and, and ratings as he can, then I think that would make a lot more sense than, than even against the Miz at Mania. And that's fine. I, I do not mind something like that happening. And like I said, I'm totally cool with Miz Bryan going off at SummerSlam. But that means SummerSlam is what, August, right? Late August. Late August. So you got like five months. Do the – get it going. Like you don't have time to waste to build this feud up. They're not going to first touch you know, each other at SummerSlam. It's going to happen sooner. Get this thing going. Let this big cast thing run, at, run its course in three to four weeks and just build this storyline. Doesn't need to be for a title. You can have you have plenty of people in the WWE title picture, plenty of people in the U.S. title picture. These two can fully be focused on one another. Get girls and the women involved. You can easily do that. There are so many different well, things if, you can do. But I don't want to see this blown off at Backlash or something like no, that. No, that would no, be, no, no, no. That would be a total... Total travesty. I wonder if Big Cass could kind of play muscle to Miz. I mean, that's speculation. We'll find out. That could be interesting. And at the same time, you mentioned it about still fearing for Daniel Bryan in the ring, which is natural since we just lost him for three years. Is there any part of you, honestly, as a fan, though, that is more like, let's run through the dream matchups as quickly as we can, just in case a year and a half from now he gets hurt again? No, because you know what we saw this past year with Roman Reigns, like doing the the quickie John Cena match? Good point. Which was... 
which was a good build, and, and but it was a blow-off pay-per-view. They just did it to like either help Reigns get a clean win over Cena and help him on the mic. And it was like, you know what? You could have saved this, and this could have made an event at a major pay-per-view. Like, why are you doing this? So, no, I, I, I don't think that WWE can operate scared with Daniel Bryan, and I don't think Daniel Bryan wants WWE to operate that way with him. The truth is, God forbid something else happens to him, that's it yeah. in terms of wrestling. Yeah. Like, he's not going to go out to New Japan and wrestle. Like, that's over. So I, I would give him the Miz feud, which is highly anticipated. You get him into something with AJ Styles, their two faces, you figure that out. And then from there, you let everything else develop as, you know, it needs to. I've to have had to train myself to just not think about the injuries and the what if and just enjoy it's him. It's tough. It, it is tough, but that's what I've done. You mentioned Roman Reigns. Let's spin into the third part of the main event. And I actually want to have you lead off on this because I'm intrigued by your take here on the handling of Roman Reigns' booking coming off of Mania, entering the Greatest Royal Rumble. I've seen a couple tweets from you. I've seen a couple messages on the internal uh, Slack here. How do you feel about where Roman Reigns is at coming off the Mania main event? WWE has completely failed this man. Like, how? I don't how? All right, how? Go ahead. How? In every way, in every conceivable way, everything from what are you Sika right now telling him that Lesnar needs to lay down for him? What are you saying right now? The the from the year long storyline that we were at least buying into in terms of all right, we see where they're going, let it pay off. Not having that pay off, having him do a worked shoot promo on Raw that was like two weeks ago that was just like clunky and almost too real, but him not it, like he basically said everything except wrestling is predetermined. Like he, he, <laughs> he came, he came all the way to that line, except didn't say that the program, the, the promo wasn't especially good. I don't necessarily blame him because they put him in a tough spot. Then they have Samoa Joe come out, rip him to shreds two weeks him. in a row, yes. eviscerate him and serve as the mouthpiece for Brock Lesnar for some reason, because neither Lesnar nor Paul Heyman can show up, you know, to build the greatest Royal Rumble steel cage match that he gets out of nowhere, despite already losing to Lesnar. Why does he get a rematch? Well, cause he's none rained. of it, he's, he none of it makes sense, man. It's I can, bad. I could get the idea that they're playing him by setting him up to fail and then now making him lose a bunch. But I really feel like this is what Vince thinks is the only option to still stubbornly redeem his plan. I'm not saying he's right, but I feel like that's what he's doing. Do you think Roman, the the real person, is angry about this? Like, if you're like, try to delve into him psychology wise. Do you think the real Roman is is saying what we're all saying and just just hurt me heal Vince, or do you yes. think the real Roman, because he comes from such a strong family in the business, gets it, gets what Vince is trying to do, and ultimately? just wants to be getting big reactions and main eventing and is fine with it. Well, like Roman can't have the mindset and I'm trying to tell a guy how to feel, you know, I'm not in his shoes here, but Roman needs to have the mindset of like, I would never even be at this point without Vince McMahon buying into me. And, and you know, this is all being done by Vince with good intentions. It's the different, it's, it's kind of the opposite with Dolph where like Dolph has a reason to be angry because he's so good in the ring. He's so good on the mic and he could be doing so much more reigns is showing what he's able to do. He's main eventing matches, performing at a, a top level. Um, his promo work has improved, but the booking has been so terrible that he can't save himself from all of it. And at some point, Vince just has to say to himself, and I, I said it last week with Nick on the show, I've said it before, I know you agree, I'm, I'm kind of just repeating myself. The way to get someone over as a big time face is to turn them heel and turn them back. And we have 
proof. And they actually posted this on Reddit. I don't know if you have the audio, BC, but they someone posted this on Reddit recently that when Reigns was early on in his NXT tenure, he cut a heel promo backstage. It was kind of like businessman Roman Reigns. He had a huge watch on his wrist. And this is Reigns cutting a promo before he became good at promos, like four or five years later. And I was shocked at how reasoned it was and how good of a heel he could potentially be. An interview literally weeks in the making. Up and coming, high rising superstar, Roman Reigns. Finally, we have a chance to talk with. Finally. What are you talking about, finally? Are we supposed to operate on your time? Have you been waiting for me? Is your schedule that important? Tell me, what'd you do today? Did you go to what? The dollar store? Is that what's so important? Nah, man. It's all about my time. It's my schedule. Who wears the big watch? What time is it? Tell me what time it is. Uh, 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 what, you can't read clocks? It's Roman Reigns time, and you should feel very fortunate right now. You've never been so relevant, little man. You've never been so important. Well, that's the point, is Finally. that you're very important, and we have questions that we want to ask you. If So Reigns walks out. That was his own cell phone ringing. That's December 2012, very early in the Reigns NXT experiment. And yeah, it didn't sound natural. And he's dressed in a, in a really nice suit and he just looks like a million bucks. Uh, so I'm not as like end of the world as what are they doing with Roman Reigns now? Look, I get Joe's the mouthpiece for Brock because Brock has part-time dates and he's not there. I sort of get that they're going to face each other at Saudi Arabia because of the money. I I don't, I mean, it's a little clunky to already announce the, the Samoa Joe feud in advance and then have him cut really good promos two nights in a row, ripping everybody and then closing on SmackDown with another rip on Reigns. I just, I, maybe I'm a little more optimistic and hope, I'm interested to see where this goes because is Vince really going to be that hard-headed where he's just going to stick and stay down the line of trying to go babyface when he just did a big swerve and a big turn? Is he only setting this up to get the big chairs in Saudi Arabia because they'll cheer for Roman? Is Are we going to go back to where we were a year ago when Roman dropped down to the IC level for a while? Let's not forget that, right? He was IC champion. He wasn't being pushed the same level. And then they've got him re-ready and put him in there against Cena and and Braun and got him back to this level. It's interesting. I just saw tell you this, though. When Roman came out at Hartford and Raw, at first it was like 50-50. Then it sort of settled into about 60% booze, 40% cheers. And then as soon as he started to talk, it's like everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to boo again. But I thought Roman except for the clunky response of basically Joe eviscerating him for the second time and then Reigns just going, you're fat. I thought outside of that, still looks really good, still brings it in the ring. I'm not really worried. You know who looks really good and brings it in the ring? Heels. They can also do that. Like, he I, I he needs to win the title. Okay, you know I, I felt that way for a long time. I want Lesnar out of WWE or at a minimum out of the title picture where literally you don't see the Universal Championship on TV, on Raw, for weeks at a time. It's ridiculous. Just, it's simple. Like, this is the easiest booking. You have him win. You have them boo him on Monday night. You have him turn on the fans. Do you know what it's that... It's not hard. You're right. And do you know what the swerve surprise booking... And I think we understand why they did it. But do you know what the sur- the surprise booking at WrestleMania has now planted in my brain? Call me crazy, that's fine. An optimistic seed of positivity. That we will actually get the Roman Reigns heel turn in 2018 that Vince finally gets it and that in the end we're going to look back at this as the proper foundation and build to make us now believe after the fact just like we believed really heading into 2013 and 14 that Daniel Bryan would never get to the mountaintop and then eventually they sort of troll booked you and set it up to get there this is really starting to be a full troll booking run it's almost like inverted Daniel Bryan 
we're going to get the Reigns heel turn, and I think it's going to end up being awesome, and I think Vince is figuring things out and setting up his, his ducks to get us there. And, I mean, really, that's, that's where I'm thinking right now, and I want to close with one final word. I went back and rewatched Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 34, because I heard a lot of people telling me, BC, you like that match way too much. It stunk. Go back and watch it on the network. It stunk. And I have to say, full disclosure, Adam, we were in the press box at the Superdome, which is at the very top of the arena. It's open, no, no screen covering, so you're part of the overall action. But how did I watch that match live? I could see the ring far away, and I'm alternating <laughs> between watching a small ring, watching the giant monitors on either side, and somewhat hearing the audio of the broadcast being played high up over my head. So I thought I was going to come out here today and tell you, you know, you guys were all right. That really is a C plus B minus match. And if you really didn't get or love the swerve and you thought it was a troll job, then maybe it's not that good. But I, look, I mean, this is I don't really want to. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I'm going to double down in the other direction. Roman Brock from WrestleMania 34. I love this match, and I oh personally God. do not get what people are not <laughs> seeing and watching. The intensity, the physicality, the whole setup to the swerve, the, the hard way with the blood coming down and the intensity, and then the crowd popping for the swerve result. Look, it's not a textbook classic, obviously, match. It's more of a Lesnar high-level car wreck, but it's heavyweight pro wrestling, just like Lesnar did against Goldberg, just like he did against Samoa Joe. This was intense as all heck. I loved this match even more watching it on TV than I did in the arena that night, and I loved it big in the arena. Uh, you know, character flaw, I don't know, but I stand by this match as an entertaining product. It gave me exactly what I expected, and then a swerve finish on top. I don't get the hate. We know someone who's talking to Samson over here. Um, man, it, it wasn't that good. Like three star match. It the some of the elements that you're mentioning are accurate. Um, but in the totality of the match, including the finish, including seeing Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 34, knowing he was going to be in this spot, like losing his breath, and I'm not calling the guy out of shape. He's in fantastic shape okay but not at his pinnacle fitness level okay for that match and just having it be such a repeat of every time we've ever seen brock lesnar and roman reigns fight not that you're gonna get a matt wait, wait, wait. what do you mean every time we've sudden. seen him we saw him at 31 what else have we seen them oh no you see him on raw every couple of months yeah. brawl, brawl outside the ring f5 each other we don't see an actual match though no but I you can't... see three or four minutes of them fighting and it's always exactly the same look I need more than suplexes and Superman punches. I just do. You got table spots. Apparently the German Come announcers, had, Vince got upset because no one, no one had idea they were going over the German table and, and hit the announcer. I mean, I, I, we'd have to go down the road, but everybody go back and watch this again. Three-star match. Remember what you thought the match was going to be coming in? I thought it absolutely delivered. Again, not in high-wire moves, but in physicality and intensity. But Adam, spinning out of the main event, let's get right into our guest of the week, our, our, our main event here of interviews with the great Chris Jericho. Enjoy. It's the best in the world at what he does, the great Chris Jericho, ahead of the greatest Royal Rumble card that will take place Friday, April 27th, at the King Abdullah Sports City Stadium in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Yes, streaming live on the WWE Network at 12 p.m. Eastern. So, Chris, so great to get a chance to talk to you. We can go in a million directions, but I want to start right here because, honestly, fans don't know exactly 
what to expect from this u- unique event. It's not a traditional, let's say, pay-per-view show that yet feels hype-wise in a lot of ways, almost on like a SummerSlam WrestleMania level. So for you, what's the hook to come back to WWE for this type of event? Well, it's just one of those things. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I mean, um, obviously getting a chance to work with uh, with the Saudi Arabia at the highest levels. We've been there before back in 2015 and had some great shows, but it seems like they're trying to kind of change the way things are done over there. Um, and it's really cool to have been asked by WWE to be a part of it. Um, as you know, I'm not working there full-time right now, but still part of the family and like you mentioned, I mean, with the matches that have been announced right off the bat, it's got as much steam, if not more, in a lot of ways than the WrestleMania card did, uh, just via the fact of who's on the show and, and all the big matches that we have. So um, it reminds me kind of a few years ago, we would do kind of live live event specials on the network from Madison Square Garden, and we did one from Tokyo, and it's got kind of the same vibe uh, to do to do the same thing for the greatest Royal Rumble, just just bigger. It's the greatest one, man. It's what it says in the title. <laughs> hey, drink it's it in, right there. Drink it in, man. I mean, we got seven title matches, well, a fifty-man Royal Rumble. So this is really no joke, like you mentioned. So I want to get into your involvement here because the announcement was that you were involved in the Royal Rumble. Then you were going to replace Rusev in a casket match against Undertaker. Now I assume you're back in the Rumble match. So what sort of happened here? It's funny when you say drink it in, man, because that's the one country in the world where you can't drink it in, man, <laughs> at, at penalty of death. Um, yeah, for, for me at this point, I mean, whether they want me to be uh, a part of the, of the Royal Rumble or work against The Undertaker or work against uh, Funaki in a, you know, a, a lingerie match, whatever it needs <laughs> to be done, I'm happy to do it. Um, that, that's the good thing about kind of my legacy and where I am at this point in my career is I can come and do whatever needs to be done. Opening match, main event, whatever it is, and it's going to be good. So, um, yeah, things change. This is part of, of the world of WWE. happens all the time. And for me, until I actually walk to the ring, sometimes you never know what's going to happen. Things get changed during the show sometimes. Um, I, think, I think sometimes fans get a little bit too excited about certain things that happen and don't happen. But the bottom line is I will be there I'm excited to be there, and it's going to be, like I said, one of those uh, one of those once in, once in a lifetime career moments of having this giant show in a stadium. I don't know what to expect going to Saudi Arabia in a stadium. I mean, last time we were there, uh, the show started at five, and we had to stop at six p.m. so that the entire audience, uh, who were all made up of males, by the way, there was no uh, women allowed in the show. Uh, we had to, we had to stop the show so everyone could go outside and pray at six o'clock. Wow! Because uh, that's when they have their prayers to Mecca and all that sort of thing. Um, so that was kind of weird. It's like, okay, your match starts at five forty-five. Better be done by five fifty-five because the whole audience is leaving. So it's one of those places when you go to uh, to Jeddah, uh, it really is kind of very. You know, I mean, it's not exactly the most word poetry type thing, but it's very Saudi Arabian in that you go over them, that things are very different here than they are in the States. Whereas when we went to Abu Dhabi and Dubai, it's much more of a kind of a United States holiday area. When you go to Saudi Arabia, it is Saudi Arabia. I mean, you are in the desert and you're, you know, you're living by their rules and their culture. So it's one of the things that I enjoy uh, traveling as much as I do and seeing the world 
is how different countries uh, work, you know, how different countries basically operate. And it's almost like Star Trek with the prime directive in that you don't go in there and change the culture. You go in there and you adapt to the culture and you live amongst that culture. And it's not up to us to change it or to mess with it. So you respect kind of the way that the things are done over there and, uh, and act accordingly. So, um, like I said, it was an interesting time when I was there in 2015, and here we are going back in 2018 at a much grander, broader scale. So um, it's going to be an adventure, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I haven't wrestled in the WWE, gosh, for almost a year. So anytime you get a chance to go back with um, with the boys and see everybody again, it's, it's a good time. And um, uh, like I said, especially in such a huge, huge event as this. So obviously, you know, WWE professional wrestling has taken you all over the world. Fozzie, you know, doing all these tours hotter than ever, taking you all over the world. You have the cruise coming up. What would you categorize? I think fans are really interested in this. How would you categorize your relationship with WWE and Vince McMahon as of today? Well, I mean, it's good enough that they called me when this show came up. I mean, I knew about this about a month ago. And um, yeah, it's great. I mean, like I said, I have a really good relationship with with the company and with, with Vince um, in that I've been working there for 17 years, pretty much. I mean, on and off, but uh, up until this year, when I did the show with New Japan. I'd never wrestled in any other ring other than the WWE ring since 1999. So, um, and then Vince knew, knew about that from the start. So it's one of those things where, you know, WWE is, is, is my home base, you know, for wrestling. I'm not a full-time, a performer in the wrestling world, nor have I been since 2010. But um, at this point in time, still being able to uh, perform at the level that I can with the experience level that I have, it's kind of a, a you know a rare thing to have somebody that that still is at kind of the top of the game with you know 27 years of experience to back it up. So. Um, you know, the WWE needs me as much as, as I, I, I shouldn't say that. I enjoy working with the WWE and they enjoy working with me. And um, I don't expect that to ever change. Chris, I wanted to hit you up with, with some timely and sad news here with the passing of WWE Hall of Famer Bruno San Martino at age 82. And I wanted to ask you because you're talking. Oh, Jer- what, 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 what? The passing of, of the legend. Yeah. When just did that happen? News. Just. Recently, like breaking couple news in the past half hour, really. And I know you did a, a really great interview on your Talk is Jericho podcast wow. with Bruno in the past year. And I just wanted to get your reaction and any sort of, you know, tidbit nugget from that time with him in an Italian restaurant sitting down with him. Well, my reaction is I had no idea. You know what I mean? I had no idea whatsoever. Um, I wish somebody would have told me before this interview. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's a, that's a downer. I had no idea. Uh, uh, wow, Bruno was a, was a really great guy, and um, I had the uh, the uh, 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 privilege and honor of, of spending that time with him at the Italian restaurant, um, which was at his request. He 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 agreed to do my podcast. Um, only if we did it at this restaurant, which was his favorite one in Pittsburgh. And usually when you do a podcast, um, you have to, um, so uh, you you want it to be quiet when you do an interview, but uh, he wanted to do it in front of, you know, in front of all the people, all that sort of stuff, uh, kind of in his, his, 
uh, here's what I'm looking for, his uh, habitat, you know, where he was comfortable. So it was great. It was like a two hour long discussion and great guy, very easy to talk to, uh, was very vibrant, still looked like he could kick, uh, kick somebody's ass and um, much respect to him. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a drag that he passed away, but uh, what a legendary guy. Still, like I said, in great shape until the end. Um, so I might've been the last interview he ever did. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's very possible. And we appreciate you being so candid in your reaction, uh, for not knowing uh, certainly. And, uh, you know, Chris, you, you, you mentioned 27 years in your career and you mentioned your, your brief, brief run in Japan to open this year and that match with Kenny Omega. I mean, you've said it yourself in your podcast, everyone's telling you that might be the Chris Jericho match they've ever seen. And it's incredible because you put that effort out at age 47. That you know, it didn't look opinions or opinions, but to so many people, they're like, that might be the best Chris Jericho match ever. So my question to you, from being in it, why? Why was that so special and well received? Who knows, man? I mean, um, you know, I, I'd like to be able to analyze certain things. I mean, people always ask me, even you know, with Fozzie, you know, Judas is a top five hit. What was it with this song that made it so popular? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I. I I don't really analyze things like that. I just kind of go with the flow and I'm glad people enjoyed Judas and I'm glad they enjoyed the Kenny Omega match. Um, I thought it was a once in a lifetime thing to do this match uh, with two guys. That It was almost like um, a McGregor Mayweather type of a thing where two guys from two different worlds, basically who nobody ever thought would, uh, would, would, would compete with each other. And here we had this perfect opportunity to really take the, the whole wrestling world by storm you know, Jericho from the WWE and Kenny Omega from New Japan. Um, and the thing I like, both of us from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, um, was a really special moment. And then, you know, we've never touched each other before. You, you never know what it's going to be like. I've had great matches with people that I've never even been in the ring with, like Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 19. And I've had really bad matches with people I've never been in the ring with. Um, so you never know what you're going to get. And with the Kenny Omega, just all the fruit lined up, and we had a great... Uh, a great night and, you know, made a real big difference on the business for that show. Um, you know, and, and I think it was good for, for wrestling. You know, anytime you get something like that, it, it just made the business bigger. Um, it definitely helped Kenya and it helped me. It put me in, a, in the biggest position uh, maybe ever in my career, as far as a, a top draw, as far as being, you know, a guy that can work for New Japan and then go, work of the greatest Royal Rumble with the WWE. And, and, and why should it be that way? I think it makes things a little bit more exciting and a little bit more fun for, for everybody involved. No doubt about it. And you also, in recent years, you talk about doing maybe some of the best work in your career. Late 2016, you had a great run with AJ Styles, who, you know, maybe along with Kenny, is considered right now the one, two, or three best workers in wrestling. So considering you've been a, a part of so many eras, eras and we're at the very top in so many of them, is the in-ring product today from guys like AJ Styles the best we've ever seen in this business in terms of the actual wrestling? Well, I mean, let's not get carried away. I mean, there's a lot of great performers. Let's go back to the mid-90s um, in, in WCW and WWE when you had Guerrero, Benoit, Malenko, Rey Mysterio, Ultimo Dragon, you know, uh, Juventud Guerrero. All those guys were, were putting on great, great matches as well. Maybe at a main event level, they're the best, quote-unquote, athletic matches. But you can go back and watch, you know, Hogan versus Warrior, and the crowd reactions for those show for that match is three million times more than what we have today. So 
technically and athletically, the guys are putting on amazing matches. Um, Character-wise, maybe stronger, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, so every every era is different, you know what I mean? And there's good and bad about every era. I think it's a great time for pro wrestling right now. Um, you know, I, I was talking with Vince the other day, and he's right. Whenever the WWE is hot, uh, other areas are hot as well. And then when that when the WWE goes down, then, you know, other kind of independents go down as well, too. So it all depends on what's going on uh, in, in the rest of the world. But I'd have to say that, yeah, the matches are, are, are a lot uh, athletically better now. Um, and there's a lot of places for guys to work and, and not have to rely so much just on WWE. You look at guys like the Young Bucks or, or Kenny Omega that we mentioned, or you know, Cody Rhodes, these type of guys can go overseas and go to Ring of Honor and all these other places and make a good living. Obviously, I would say that WWE is the end game for everybody that's in the business, but maybe not for some. For me, it always was. I wanted to be in the WWE more than anything. And when I finally got here, it was you know it, it was kind of the, uh, the 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 goal that that I had had my whole life and my whole career. Uh, for other guys, that might not be the case anymore. But um, the business is strong, and it's it's it's, it's a good uh, it's a good time right now for sure. This may be a little inside baseball here, but guys like the Macho Man have been known for or were known for meticulously planning out matches. There are other guys who really like to go with the flow a little bit more and call them out in the ring. What has been the style throughout your career? Or, I mean, I'm sure you've done both depending on who you fought. Is, do you have a preference for the way that you like to handle match preparation? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I, I think that you... Um should always go in there prepared with something a little bit more than, uh, than, than, than just going out there and wing it. I mean, I can easily do that if I had to, but it's always a little bit better if you can think about it for a while. And then always leave uh, some time for, um, for uh, uh, improv. You know what I mean? And I think that's very important as well. Mm-hmm. You want to have that improv element to it. Um, because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, the last match that I had with Kenny, we had a lot of stuff to put together. And there was also some, okay, uh, let's just, we couldn't think of something to do at a certain point. Let's just go out there and wing it. Let's see what happens. And then we came up with some great ideas and some great uh, spots because of that. So um, you really just never know what's going to happen during the course of a match. So you should always leave uh, some time and some space for that uh, in case you want to change direction, um, which I usually do quite often. Chris, we talk about scripting a match and preparing it to be great. The same thing could, could possibly be said about preparing a segment to be great. And I, I can't talk to you without bringing up the Festival of Friendship because I, you know, I thought it was the best segment of the year in 2017 for WWE or wrestling in general. I think it's actually the best segment I've ever seen on Raw. And that's obviously a bold statement that says a lot. I want to ask you, you were as wired, as fired up, as in the moment, as golden a Chris Jericho as we ever seen for that. That is like a barbershop window type moment to a lot of people. Can you give me something on the inside about what it's like before you walk through that curtain to do a segment like that? Are you going out there literally trying to create the best segment in history? Where, where were you at before you walked out in Vegas that night? Once again, man, it's just like everything else that we talked about. You don't go up there and say, this is going to be the greatest. You just you do the best you can to put together the coolest you know, segment. 
And sometimes it turns out amazing and, and, and sometimes it does not. Uh, the Festival of Friendship was one of those things that just was a complete success all the way across the board. Um, I wasn't going for a barbershop window. I was going for a, a, a red wedding. If you guys watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> Something where you just did not expect it. And yeah, of course, barbershop window, but I'm not thinking 80s wrestling. I'm thinking what's going on right now. I wanted that to start like a David Lee Roth video uh, from the 80s, and I wanted it to end like Game of Thrones Red Wedding. Um, over the top, super ridiculous, fun, almost borderline cheesy, and then it just turns very dark where someone just gets massacred and basically murdered at the end. And of course, that was me. So that's why I came out the way I did, the whole pomp and circumstance of it. Um, and that was my vision from the start. It wasn't everybody else's vision. Still had a lot of uh, issues and things that I had to work with um, to get it done the way that I wanted it, but uh, I prevailed. And in the end, I think, as you said, if, you know, you know, was Jericho Omega the greatest Jericho match of all time? I don't know. Was Festival of Friendship one of the greatest segments in Raw history? I don't know. I do know that I enjoyed both of them, and it was one of their one of the rare instances where I was completely happy with uh, with that segment from beginning to end. Although Friendship the Magician kind of sucked. But um, I'll take the heat on that one. <laughs> wow, wow. Nice heel turn there on Friendship the Magician. <laughs> Chris Jericho, such a pleasure to talk to you. We'll see you back in WWE Friday, April 27th from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, the greatest Royal Rumble event. Fans can watch that on the WWE Network at 12 p.m. Eastern. Chris, thanks for joining us, man. Can't wait to see you back. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. We'll see you then. Hey, interesting chat. With 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 drinking in himself, Slightly. Chris Jericho. <laughs> Slightly interesting, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a couple uh, punches he pulled. Let's say, couple things he threw out that maybe we didn't expect. His, you know, hard to hit him there with the with the curveball, Bruno. I had no idea he was unaware. Tough to hear that, considering he seemed to build, you know, a good rapport with him. But it's interesting where free agent Jericho sits right now in the in the larger pro wrestling landscape, especially with that cruise coming up, especially with recent comments, which he didn't really dig into in our questions, but about how he feels like he's done with NJPW at the moment. He, you know, he would go back. He wished it, it went differently. Where do you sort of sit at what his 2018 could look like after hearing him talk? So it really seems to me that his concentration right now is Fozzie. It, it's pretty clear. And obviously he still has that cruise, which I believe is in like October. Or something like Late that. October. So, so we're in April right now, heading into May shortly. That's a large portion of the year. I don't think we're going to be seeing him in New Japan Pro Wrestling based on comments he's made elsewhere. It seems like that really was a one-off deal, which makes me right, BC. Um, and it doesn't I, – I would be floored, truly, if he was to ever show up at Ring of Honor or TNA. And he basically oh, said no, – Oh, you, you, you just fell in. You just fell in the mark hole. I think you just fell in the uh, the, How so? the trap door. Let's not forget. I'm not saying I full optimism that, that we will either. I'm not saying that, that it's 100% here. But let's not forget how much he enjoys fooling us and how much he fooled us on his way into and out of NJPW. Can we really sit here and say what you just did, that you don't see him outside of the cruise doing anything else with anyone else? I, I don't think that's falling into anything because as you and I have discussed on previous podcasts, WWE is number one. New Japan is either one B or two. And then ring of honor and TNA are like seven, eight. Like there, like there's, there's a different level of, Hey, I'm going to spread my wings a little bit and go to new Japan 
And then I'm going to spread my wings a little bit and go to Ring of Honor. It's nice that they're giving him talent. I could see him maybe showing up on one of the tape TV shows promoting the cruise in like, you know, July, August, September, or something like that, making an appearance. I don't think this guy is going to be wrestling for Ring of Honor against anyone. It, it would just really shock me. I thought it was interesting to hear how he answered my question about his status with WWE in that he said, yes, I'm, it's, it's me and them. Like this relationship's never going to end. I feel that I am a WWE wrestler basically is what he said, but I just don't have any immediate plans to do anything with them. I think he's going to go through either the end of the year or extremely close to the cruise and not wrestle much, maybe make one or two appearances for WWE, one in the ring at the greatest Royal Rumble, maybe one or two on TV. And then we see him kind of in the buildup to the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania right, next Don't year. forget, there was one little hiccup he had in that interview where he was about to say, I feel like WWE needs me as much as I need them or needs me. or I'm, right. And then he kind of bit his tongue and didn't go through whatever he was going to finish that sentence. I'm just saying this. Look, if he doesn't show up at all in the revolution outside of his own cruise, then yes, this is a giant hit to the indie revolution. The same giant hit of Daniel Bryan not coming back. The same giant hit of Jericho having not been on anything NJPW since Wrestle Kingdom because I really or New Year's Dash because I really feel like he could have played a giant role. Whether you think he's the Han Solo or the Obi Wan of this revolution, he could have played big. If he doesn't, I, I'm gonna be honest. The momentum is not going in the right direction to the idea that one of these companies or these companies joining together could really be the critical 1B or number 2. I, I'll, I'll agree with that. But I'm just not over the idea that he's working us or not working us, but leaving the door open. And here's what I have to say. I don't think we'll see him wrestle again with WWE unless they really offer him a SummerSlam program that makes a lot of sense, like a big co-main event level deal. Like if they're like, hey, you know, if if, Miz, if if Daniel Bryan wasn't going against the Miz, you know what I mean? If they were like, hey, you can go against Daniel Bryan or you could go against AJ for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam, I think he would come back for that. So if they don't do that, I mean, are we really confirmed in belief that he won't just show up in June at that giant NJPW, uh, what is that, Dominion that they have, or he won't just show up at all in? I don't know if I'm confident that we won't see him based upon his history of comments. Yeah, I think there, he's always into swerving the fans um, and purposely, not, not, not being honest to be a liar, he's not a liar, but to purposely, you know, kayfabe people, basically. Um, so I don't think there's any... I don't think it's impossible for that to happen. I just, and All In, by the way, in my head, is not a Ring of Honor show. I would be floored to see him at another promotion. That's really yeah. what I'm talking about. He's going to be at the cruise with a lot of Ring of Honor talent. He could potentially maybe show up at All In. I mean, they got maybe. Okada at All In. They got, they got a lot yeah. of big names coming. There, maybe so. he rekindles something with New Japan. But to this point, it really seems like if he's going to wrestle again, it, it seems like he wants to do it in WWE. But I don't think it takes a title match to get him... In WWE, I think, like big. you said, he needs to co-main event a major pay-per-view or at least have a program that's worthy of doing so to fire him up enough to spend the time he needs wrestling and training and getting back involved. Yeah, no no question about that. I mean, look, if he came back and fought Punk at All In or something ridiculous like that, would this be a giant swerve for the revolution? Obviously. But look, I don't feel like, even me being the revolution guy, that overall things are going in a great direction. We don't necessarily know what's going on with being the elite, right? They just had their 100th episode. It feels like a hiatus is coming. The 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 being the elite faction within Bullet Club seems like we're at, you know, we're at odds here. Which direction are we going? Something needs to happen to really turn those wheels to give us the type of momentum that we've that I, as being the guy standing on the street corner banging the drum, ha thought we had here under the guise of Jericho Omega 
Omega, Omega, yeah, that's the right way to say it. <laughs> really being the gateway drug to get people into like you know the the new Japan product and the indie product. We're gonna, they are going to need something big like that this year. I don't know if Jericho can play that role, but he did not bite Adam in closing on this Jericho segment. He did not bite on the idea of what really happened here with the Rusev switch with Undertaker heading into this Greatest Royal Rumble, and we can guess all we want whether we're being worked. Or are we not? What do you think? Did, did Rusev and Lana, and those, do those tweets have truth to them? Did Rusev complain? What the heck do you think is going on here? I don't know. I think there was a lot of immediate backlash, including like my, not saying that Vince read my tweet or anything. I'm not saying that. But like I tweeted like, and we said on the show, oh yeah, they're literally going to bury Rusev. Like they have this guy who's so over. And by the way, last night on SmackDown, they have him in a heel tag team against Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Because God forbid he just gets over naturally with the crowd, which he's <laughs> obviously doing, right? So I think like Vince may have seen that and said, oh man, maybe we did make a mistake. And then changed his mind as, ah, no, nah, I know what's right. I know what's best. Uh, and just put it back in. I don't know that there's much more uh, to it than that. But to go back to your earlier point, BC, la revolucion esta muerta. Oh, you're so, you're so far. You're so far over the line. This is not, we're not in, you know, Katie Vick territory. So back off. How happy! Is not happy right now, Triple H. Uh, <laughs> one thing to close, I want to make one other final statement. We've talked about the sins of the Greatest Royal Rumble and what we think it, the, it's it's a money grab, it's a little shameless, it's all that. You had a Twitter battle with one of our certainly more opinionated and hardcore listeners, Thomas Jordan Sutton, I believe his name is. A Twitter battle? Yeah, a little, little back and forth, a little, little, okay, uh, little, little, you know, opinions were, were being tossed back and forth. He had an interesting take that I think I'm coming around and biting on, and it's this. There's a lot of sins being had to build up the GRR, but I, I do have confidence that it's going to be pretty freaking entertaining when you consider the matches on this card. So I've made the decision to look past the sins, buy all in on the idea that big things are probably going to happen on this card, and it's probably going to be four hours, and it's and you know, by the way, a start time of Friday at noon is really not that bad. I, I'm I'm in on this. I, I am wait, officially this coming, in wait, on this. This coming from the guy who, like six months ago, was insanely critical that WWE did things at house shows, like put Triple H in the yes, uh, yes. Shield. Yeah, you're and, damn right. And I tried to explain to you, hey BC, it's a one-off house show. It doesn't really matter, even you're if it's not right. on. And you're like, well, they, if they if they show it on Twitter and social media, that makes it part of the storyline. BC, this is the same thing, except worse and they bastardized their wrestlemania booking they and did. card they in did. order to let this happen they didn't just do this they're calling it the greatest royal rumble so they're bastardizing that they changed their booking it seems okay, for what wrestlemania if, what if that 50-man match is freaking incredible and what if this becomes a thing what if I'm this becomes an event being critical sorry being critical of this event doesn't mean I think it's going to be bad. No, and I get that. But I'm just saying, I think I'm just going to decide to just enjoy the ride and, and not go, not point out the sins. And some of that is this. We go in that hamster wheel all year long as wrestling fans because we watch way too much of this stuff to be able to talk about it on this level. And yes, go back to this show last year when SmackDown was dying and BC was even didn't want to do this podcast anymore. <laughs> didn't even want to watch the show anymore. But right now, coming off Mania, being there, being at WrestleCon, NXT, being all that superstar shakeup, I am fired up. So Thomas Jordan Sutton or whatever your name is, I know you're a passionate listener. I'm buying in with you. I'm going all in. I mean, really, I mean, you're asking me, am I, uh, Brian, don't, am I? Don't do it. I'm all in. I'm all don't in. Do yeah, it. come on, Brandy. I'm all in. GRR, give me the T-shirt. Uh, get me on a plane to Jetta right now. I am ready to love this thing. 
I will fully buy into the Greatest Royal Rumble next Wednesday at 4 p.m. after we tape our final podcast before it, and I say, okay, now I can watch and enjoy the show. But until then, I'm going to point out the reasons why it's ridiculous and how WWE, and I'll use it for a fifth time, bastardized its product yeah, but you're and focused, its storylines in order to make it happen. You're focusing on the on how the sausage gets made. You're basically being like, you know, I don't agree with slaying bulls, but damn, this steak is going to taste good. I think you just got to put put the blockers on and say, you know, I don't want to visit that slaughterhouse. I do want to watch a 50-man Royal Rumble, though. <laughs> All right, whatever. Hey, let's get into a, a really good segment we have called Hero or Zero. All right, so we talked about a lot of the superstar shakeup, but we saved some meat on the bones. Hey, look what I did there for Hero or Zero BC. Let's start off with Jeff Hardy, who has received a significant singles push, defeating Jinder Mahal for the United States Championship at the Open of Raw, which was one of the, say what you will about Jinder Mahal, one of the hottest opens in WWE TV recently. Uh, And then all of a sudden gets picked up by SmackDown the next night defends against another new singles performer in Shelton Benjamin. Hero or zero for what has transpired with Jeff Hardy over the last couple of days? Uh, this is a massive hero, and you teased off the top how I completely like put 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 water on uh, on the idea of like Jeff Hardy as a legitimate singles push. And I gotta I gotta face the music right here and be like I was wrong. And some of it dates back to look. I'm gonna be honest with you, Jeff Hardy's solo runs. I will say I respect who he was as a solo performer. I will say I enjoyed some of it. I will say he was worthy of the single pushes all the way to the biggest belt that he got in the mid-2000s. I will also say it wasn't necessarily my favorite thing. And there's certain wrestlers that if we come to know and love them as a tag team, that when they go solo, some of us are just never going to come around on the idea that that guy's a solo star. It's part of the foundation of why I think Bret Hart, although certainly I understand his ability and respect his all-timeness in the things he's great at, is not as great as people think he is all-time. And I've been down that road a million times before from the cheap heat days on the debates of that. I think I fell into that with Jeff Hardy here, and then I'm suddenly third row Monday night at Raw in Hartford, and the pop was massive to start this match. The match was great. The pop when he won was huge. Seeing him again on Tuesday night, I love him as U.S. champion. I'm back in on Jeff Hardy. I'm not saying I'm ready to see him against AJ Styles for the big belt. This works. He can work as a solo act on on SD Live separated from his brother. Not that we didn't know we already could. I just thought at this age it wasn't going to work. Like maybe I used to think in his prime it wasn't going to work. It works. I was wrong. So that's a hero from BC. I think we're... Our anticipated stances on this actually changed a little bit. I'm going to go with a minor, very minor, zero. And it's primarily because I'm not going to be actually pessimistic on this because I do think he can work as a singles performer. I'm excited to see what he does on SmackDown with the U.S. title and some of the feuds that are possible with Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. Very, very cool. But they have something going with this Woken universe. And they already teased the Brother Nero part of it two weeks ago on Raw. And I got really juiced to see Brother Nero, Woken Matt Hardy, and Bray Wyatt all together. And I think it's a little bit of a misstep to not have him still on Raw, along with those guys, allowing something like that to happen. Now, if WWE has the foresight enough to go with a split personality, and he's able to do Brother Nero on Raw and be Jeff Hardy on SmackDown, this would be a massive home run hero for me. But for now, I'm giving it a wait and see zero. 
All right, number two hero or zero, Adam, your favorite, Ronda Rousey, aligned on Raw with newcomer Natalia, fresh off the Superstar Shake-Off, and then ran in late to help her fight off Absolution, including a destructive forearm on Sonya Deville. Hero or zero on what seems to be the start of where Ronda is going, coming off the feud with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. As Booker T would say, Ronda looking good. Yeah, uh, hero, because... Not sure that there is a potential better angle for Ronda Rousey right now than doing something with Natalia. I love that they had Sonia Deville, Deville, Sonia Deville, just step to her immediately as she should as someone who's purported to have an MMA background. That's her gimmick. She should want to get in the ring with Ronda Rousey and not be scared. And Ronda Rousey being someone who's actually a UFC women's bantamweight champion and the baddest woman in the world should dispatch her that easily. That was perfect. I love the idea of doing a potential, uh, you know, tag team match, Natalia and Ronda Rousey against these two. Again, they got moved to SmackDown, probably a two-month thing or one-month thing that ends at Backlash. But I, I think it's genius bringing Natalia over, allowing her to be on the same brand as Ronda, not just to help her on screen, but to work with her in the time that they have before shows, on the road, whatever. I, I know not. I know Ronda's not doing a normal touring schedule. It's just extremely smart. And then it's kind of telegraphed here at BC that Natalia is going to turn heel uh, because she's either jealous of all the attention Rousey gets or because Rousey becomes better than her, whatever the case. And then Stephanie McMahon can use her as like a henchwoman uh, going forward before whatever they have planned for Ronda Rousey transpires. It's smart to put her with Natalia. It's smart to have her against Absolution. Hero on this. Yeah, every, everything screams hero. You, you nailed it perfectly. Even with the, the even if it's telegraphed, I'm still fine with it. Even if Ronda turns heel with her, I'm still fine with it. And look, I love that they played off into the story the fact that Natalia and her trained together at at, uh, at the performance center. You know, we saw that video, or was it the the video leak from Brian Kendrick's uh, wrestling school yes, in, so that in one. Southern California? So that background, they're comfortable together, and putting a tag team feud potentially together will help Ronda's development. So it's a complete hero all the way around. It's also cool that they can have her beat a heart before she goes against the flare. And that's hey. a nice little kind of piece as well. BC number three here on Hero Zero. We saw Dolph Ziggler move over to Raw in one of the shakeup moves that honestly was most surprising to me. Although he recently said in an interview that he preferred to work for WWE Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So it makes a lot of sense giving him the rest of his week open. But they didn't just redebut Dolph Ziggler with his god awful theme music, they paired him with Drew oh, McIntyre, yes. hot fire. I know where you're going, hero or oh, zero. Massive hero, never would have guessed this. The crowd live in Hartford popped big for that initial moment. We're like, wait, who is that? Is that, is that, is that, is that? Yes, massive hero here. Everybody flooding my Twitter with, don't you see this? This is HBK Diesel, and certainly I did see it, it and certainly that if it goes in that direction, it is awesome. We want Dolph to matter, and if you look at the Raw roster right now and be really honest with yourself, he's in a much better spot to get pushed to the high, highest level. Like, he's in a great spot to have feuds against Seth Rollins or Finn Balor, to be on the IC level, maybe even to go higher. Are you telling me we couldn't have an in-between Rain Ziggler feud eventually with McIntyre behind him? And the biggest hero of all might be their tag team finisher that they seem to debut. The combination Incredible. of the Claymore with the zigzag. Oh, wow. I love that. Yes. Hero full fire all the way. Hero for every reason you said. The thing that would prevent it from being Shawn Michaels Diesel is 
putting the world title up for grabs in that picture when you have Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman, and everyone else you have on the show. But I do think there's something to be said for them as a tag team, a legitimate tag team championship contender immediately off the bat. That finisher alone sells them as well as anything. You have Dolph, who can handle the mic work. McIntyre's gotten a little bit better. He looks amazing, as we saw in NXT. Total badass. I think you can develop something with both of them, like you said, where he plays a bodyguard slash tag team partner role, similar to what Big E did back in the day when they introduced Big E, except even more dominant because he's bigger, looks stronger. And it's just, not that Big E wasn't believable, but it was, it seemed like the, he hired Big E, whereas oh, Drew McIntyre, yes. it seems like it's a natural component of them working By the way, together. Shout out to that version of Big E Langston because he was awesome. He was that awesome. Was an awesome yeah, he was. Version and, he should be, and he should be a singles competitor in the new SmackDown, but we'll see about that. Anyway, absolute hero. A giant yeah. hero to the 3MB potential. I don't want to leave that un unsettled there. Of course I would pop for any form of even a one-day tease of a 3MB cool. reunion. Adam, hero or zero? That Sanity is set to debut next week on SmackDown, being called up from NXT with a, with a confusing uh, video promo there that made it look like they're going to be called Chaos. But no, it is Excuse Sanity yeah. coming back. But if you looked at the on-screen graphic, it seems to be without Nikki Cross, just a three-man sanity unit, hero or zero on the potential for SmackDown here. I mean, you guys know. You know how I feel about this, right? This is a massive, colossal, terrible zero. It doesn't make sense. Sanity is great, right? In NXT, it was great. But who are the breakout stars of that group? Killian Dane, as somewhat of a solo artist who can team up with either of the guys and be a legit tag team, and Nikki Cross. She is what makes them sanity. Otherwise, there's only so much personality there. Yeah, Eric Young's really good on the mic. Wolf kind of just stands there and does his job and does a great job at it. I'm not, I'm not trying to crap on, on him at all. But Dane is the star. Young gets them through things on the mic, and Nikki Cross is a total star. So unless they're going to be involving her in something with Sister Abigail and Bray Wyatt, they bring them combined with Sanity at some point. If that's the plan and they eventually bring her in and get her involved, that's fine. But she has not been anything on NXT TV in the last six months. It doesn't seem, minor spoiler alert, it doesn't seem like she's part of the most recent tapings. So unless they're going to have her surprise um, on SmackDown or they're going to do something with her and Bray Wyatt, I don't know what the hell they're doing with one of the best women's performers in the country. This is a really bad decision. Uh, you know, you you left some caveats there that could make it a hero, though. I mean, look, if she comes out and just fills Ember Moon's spot in, running for, you know, in the running for an NXT title, I'm not saying she's going to feud with Baszler, but if she fills that role and starts there, it could be big. If it's setting up for the reveal, Sister Abigail, all that. But look, I think she's a legit 65, maybe even 70% of what Sanity was made so good. Like her manic yep. behavior, her rabid behavior was everything. I don't know if I agree that Killian Dane has that same star potential, though. Like he's good. He's better than we thought he would be. But I still think there's a lower ceiling. Like, he's kind of a Rusev without the the character. But he's the guy that, when you see him in the ring, makes you care. You don't really care he's about Eric Young. better than he looks, but I just don't see the high ceiling. I like Young a lot better as, as, as a mouthpiece in that unit. But I'm glad they got called up. I'm glad they're on SmackDown. But certainly, massive zero to not have Nikki Cross involved. I mean, come on. Come on. Like, it's literally Vince saying, like, I see you, Silverstein. You thought you were getting a faction. <laughs> You're not getting a faction. Like, what else is it? They're, they're really messing with my mind. And just on a quick aside, because we're, we're not going to get to it in the show, they put Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, 
The Miz and the Miz together on Raw. They're all hugging in the ring. They're talking about dominating as a fivesome. I'm like, holy crap, they put a faction on Raw. And then they moved Miz and had the Miz split. It happened twice in as many nights. And it's just honestly frustrating. All right, BC. Last one here on Hero Zero. We saw Naomi run in at the end of this Bludgeon Brothers beatdown of the Usos. They've really just torn apart the Usos and New Day at every given opportunity recently. Uh, we saw Naomi run in to save her real-life husband, Jimmy Uso, from the Bludgeon Brothers rubber mallet. Hero or Zero. I don't know if I'm surprising anyone, but this was a massive hero to me, and I can't fully explain why, but Naomi, with the screaming and the and the crying and the timing of coming out to recognize and, and, and protect her husband, showing you that, that, yes, they are married, I loved every second of this. Not that they've been hiding that, but it just really affected me on a storyline level, I guess. And look, I've not been the, the biggest mixed match challenge, mixed max, right? Mixed match challenge fan. But this does seem to be an extension and play of, of what happened on there. The fact that you can take real-life couples and actually present them together on air. I'm going to give us a massive hero. She came in just before the bludgeons used the mallet. I want to see storyline-wise if this actually is something. Is there spin-off juice here? Or if this was just a one-off, hey, let's have her run out there. We don't have anything else for her. It felt good. It felt good. It felt, it felt, it felt real. I'm going to surprise you with the hero because I think anytime you can add some realism to WWE storyline and product and have it make sense, it works for me. This one totally does. You would expect someone's wife, if you're going to see them get clubbed by a mallet, run out and try to save them or help them or stop the offending party or whatever the case. So that's a hero for me. The Bludgeon Brothers continue for me to be a massive zero. And no, the rubber mallets no. are no so stupid. No, no. I don't. I can't let you say that. The the Budget Brothers are fantastic. They're not like they're not all time great, but it's better than what we were doing with them before. The name. The name's terrible. The gear is terrible. No, the I, hammers are terrible. No. The only thing good. They have a really really cool entrance. That's it. Everything about them is good. Everything. This is better than what they were doing. This is great. I love that they're getting squash booking. I love this. We don't have the time. Hey, one question though. One question. There's there's no spot in the show for this. I just want to tell you. Reports out there. Not reports. It's real. John Cena, Nikki Nikki Bella, unfortunately broke up. They, they they jumped ahead of the story. They got ahead of it. What was it like a? It was an exclusive with with some sort of uh, people or one of magazine. Those one of those. Yeah. Um, does this kill that that Mania Thirty Three moment? The impact of it, like it kind of um, does, right? I mean, it always felt so contrived, and like we knew he was proposing. I'm not saying we as you and I, everyone, the WWE universe knew a proposal was coming. They built it up on Total Bellas, so we knew it was happening. It makes it feel more contrived than ever. It makes it feel almost like Vince said, hey, are you going to propose soon? Why don't you do it at WrestleMania? As opposed to John saying, hey, I'm going to be proposing to Nikki. I'd like to do it in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania. I wasn't going to go don't, in that direction. I don't know that that's true. It's probably not. I wasn't going to go in that direction. That That's a total Silverstein type take, but it, you might it actually is. be right on that. I was just going to say more, does it... Does it take the the edge, uh, the negative? Negatively, does it take the edge off? Are we never going to be able to? Because I actually thought it overachieved. In that moment, it worked, and I was like, you know what? It's cheesy, it's predictable, but it worked. Now, are we going to look back? I mean, it's not look, but at the same time, Liz and Savage were already divorced, right? When they had that moment at WrestleMania Seven, and they didn't stay together, we still look back at that moment as something incredible. I wonder if this, while not as good as that, will hold up just because it was a special moment. The, the the moment played for me. It worked fine. The build to it you can't forget was i didn't like it as much as you did but it was good it, it was it was positive it was good storytelling and 
the whatever you want to call it, the vignettes they did at the house were pretty funny. Um, but what's really funny is if you go back and watch them, uh, the Miz was right about everything. Wow. Hey, Dolph, you might want to slide back into them DMs. The DM season is back <laughs> open again. Hey, speaking of Dolph, let's throw to a little medley here of WrestleMania 34 Media Day and Hall of Fame red carpet interviews that we collaborated, pulled together from our time in New Orleans. We've got the Good Brothers, Gallows and Anderson, Dolph Ziggler, The New Day, Mickey James, Dash Wilder. Wow, we got some good stuff coming up. Enjoy. Big Sexy, all right, all right. Big Sexy. Hey, the Good Brothers stopped by Radio Row this week, WrestleMania 34. Look, I popped the most when I saw the list of the potential names here, right? Yes. Put a microphone in front of these brothers, and you know <laughs> it's going to be liquid lightning. It's going to be great. We're talking about hot Asian wives. We're talking about whatever you guys want. It's talk lightning about right in here. a bottle when you put a mic in front of oh, our man. face. Right. This is on WWE big, TV. Big, big, easy, baby. WrestleMania week. You're popping yourself. Big Sorry, just popped myself. Sorry about that. Hey, Case, we can <laughs> start right down. here with uh, the reunion here with our good buddy Finn Balor, or maybe not, maybe your good buddy. I don't know this guy from Adam, but I'm telling you, uh, I'm, I'm moved from it. And, Who's and, Adam? and I have to feel like you guys are because I see the smile in his face. Yeah. I've never seen him happier. You guys? You know, it came from, at a good time for us, too. You know, we were kind of in a rut, man. And uh, we were, it was Christmas week. We had a, a bunch of shows right after Christmas, blah, blah, blah. We kept thinking to ourselves, what, what are we doing on yeah. television coming up? Like, nothing's going on. This is starting to get kind of like, uh, you know, not fun. Something's going on. And then all of a sudden, we got the word that. We're going to go up there with Finn Balor, our good pal, and uh, it, was, it was exciting, man. Then when we walked on uh, on the screen, teaming up with him, and we got the massive pop from the Miami crowd, I knew we were still uh, 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 over. <laughs> I knew things were good. Yeah, and it's uh, it's just, but teaming with our buddy and, and uh, teaming with our friend and the guy that I've been around, you know, around the whole entire world with is um, – you know, nothing better. Because you had the cup of coffee by AJ's side, right, in 2016. Yeah, that sure. seemed like a fun run for you guys. There was that desert season in between. And I'm not saying you guys short. didn't do anything. You won the yeah. tag champ. Right. You had a good run there. But I was on the on the, on the the horn on the waves every week going, why don't they push my good brothers? I mean, what the hell is going on here? Well, Make a you. reunion. Get the OGBC yeah. back together. Well, now we're there. You got the merch. I mean, does yeah. this feel like a full circle thing considering it's the It's a pretty cool shirt, right? I'd like to wear it. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say, in looking in the crowd, where were we uh, Monday night? I don't know. Wherever we were. We're in Georgia, baby. Looking, going yes, nuts. looking around, there's OGB stuff everywhere. It was cool. Uh, I think they sold out day one on uh, WWE Shop, yeah, if I remember sure correctly. Did. Yeah. They sure did. Our, it's that, a testament to the boys. Now, when you see those BC shirts everywhere, and they're everywhere, not just your shirts, the shirts of the men who fill that fashion today, do you feel the pride that you guys were there on the ground floor? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's something we did years ago in 2013, started out, and it's just to still have the fact that everybody knows what it is and that Triple H knows what it is and Vince McMahon has at least heard what it is, you know. Right. You know, it, it's just something that uh, I, I guess it's kind of surreal, but it's – he said it was it's going to be a keep worldwide going movement, and it was, and it is. Yeah. You know, All right, so Uncle Doc Ellis here. You're a, uh, a a good looking man. I'm sure there's ladies in Thank your you. life when they enter your <laughs> plural, life, of course. Yes, plural. Yes. When they enter your life, and yeah. they go, "Oh, yo, you're a wrestler. Hey, what you used to do?" And then the whole Festus thing pops up. Is oh. that a deal breaker? Not at all. Oh no, <laughs> no, it's a conversation. Festus was piece. a Festus was a brother too, wasn't Festus he? Festus was an art form. <laughs> oh, but, but the, oh, Festus was I a mean, brother. Yeah, the, the girls liked Festus too. The girls didn't hate Festus. Festus did just fine. <laughs> that, 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 that's very. The good girls here. didn't hate Festus. <laughs> Carl, I feel like they're letting you. Uh, maybe what's the right term here? Yeah. 
be really awesome in the ring these days yeah. more than before. I mean, yeah. let's not forget this guy was a G1 One finalist. finalist. I don't know if we can say that around 2012. G1 final 2012, G1 semifinal 2013. <laughs> used to pop the people when I'd say that. The boys would go, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, what does that even mean? <laughs> what does that even <laughs> mean? Something, cause that's a it means I was almost yeah. there. You know, I, I, you know, we were, let's just be honest, we are bad guys. We were heels right. for the first you know year and a half. And, you, and when you're the heel, you're bumping and feeding a lot. You, you know. You're not always winning all the time, so you don't get a whole lot of chance to get in there and showcase set. your 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 move sets. And you know, and and, and we've just recently made this, the turn to good, and so getting a chance to get in there and show a little offense, I think it's kind of you know surprising some needed, people here and there. For and sure. I think we definitely needed it for crying out loud. We need to show some offense. Jeez. Do you, do you think the new, and I call it Ballard Club? I think it's weird to have the quote unquote leader's name in front of the faction group, Agreed. whatever you want to call sure. it. Yeah. But besides that. Do you think this is a long-term plan? Because the club, we'll call it, yeah, you know, looked like it was going to be. Obviously, yep. that superstar shakeup happened. Right. What, where's what's your guys' mindset right now? Going to shoot as honestly as possible. I would say no. It's not a long-term thing. I think it was a nice thing to just kind of show people that you know make people excited. They're it's happy. But you know, Finn is is a, is a merch moving machine on his own. He's he's in the machine doing his thing, and I think that gave us a nice little spark. Um, I think. After WrestleMania, hopefully we can find something that we can really knock our heads into. We just, you know, we I think we we need a reset at some point. Yeah, and we I think need that a focus helps us a lot for sure. We're but, still uh, uh, we're yeah. still moving our merch pretty good too. Actually, yeah, I gotta say our merch we keep got got five or six t-shirts coming. I don't know what's been going on. I like on the around. nerds. I like where we're going with that. All right. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, how, how do you ensure that something like that happens? That you I, find a new path. You what, just, man, what in your power can you do? This is keep a showing up and yeah. keep being positive and keep working hard. You, you yeah, literally hang in yeah. there, man. That's how it goes. You just keep moving around. You keep doing good. You stay ready. That's you it, guys you know? got to get frustrated because we you know, look, we're journalists, but we're like fans, too. And we're marks sure. and we're all whatever you want to call us. All right. And when I get behind the guys that I like and you're yeah. not doing nothing with you, I get angry. I get on these airways for whoever's listening out there. And I tell them, do they not know what they have here? Obviously, you guys have that balance between you know how good you are and how you're being used. You also want to keep this job and keep sending those checks home. And oh, keep, exactly. of course. So, I mean, what can you do? Can you go to the boss and, and, and just, you know, pound on the t- table and be like, brother, brother, come on. You know, you know I, you, I think that's yeah. a timing thing. You know, if you have something that's set in stone and you just believe in it 100 percent, then that's the time to go and do that. But if you're going to go in there, you better have a pretty damn good idea. <laughs> better have a plan. Better have, yeah. better have you know, an angle. There's waters that need to be navigated. And I think, you know, we just you know, weekly we do that. And it's I literally think it's just timing. Like. I look at I, I compare it kind of like Naomi. Naomi did nothing for a long time, and she was trying to get that 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 uh, gimmick pushed over with that the dancing and the lights down. Yeah. And finally, it happened, and she won the title at WrestleMania. I mean, it's it's just waters that need to be navigated. Right. Well, it's also something to be said. The Raw tag team picture, despite you guys being there, um, was kind of it's been on this like nine month, twelve month quest yeah. with like. Six people, yeah. and, and that's been it. Meanwhile, on SmackDown, that tag team division is a major part of that show. It oh, could yeah. be something as simple as that, saying, "Hey, put us in this on the same show as the Usos or as New Day, and just let it happen." Sure. You know? Yeah, you yeah, can. You, you can say a lot, though. Like, what, what do you say? You can wish in one hand and crap in the other. I want to be world champion, and I want to be inter- intercontinental champion. Let's throw them together. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, there's just, it's just, you know, it, it, there's a million writers. There's a head writer. There's Vince McMahon. There's Triple H. There's a lot of guys. You got to just kind of 
Hey, Seamus must have Working needs on hard. somebody because this guy's allowed to wrestle like Seth Rollins every week for 52 <laughs> straight weeks on Raw. What's going on here? I'll right? tell you one thing about Seamus. He's done something right. And, yep. uh, you know, he's he's always kept himself in great shape. Yep. Uh, you looks know, he, the part. He's, uh, he looks the part. He looks like a star. You know, what do you do? He's doing his thing. He's a millionaire. We like to tell him. Oh, yeah. We like to rub that in. He's got houses everywhere. And he tries to no, 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 no. (laughs) Yes, you are, Seamus. Is there any future to you guys getting, uh, I don't know if it's your own show on the network, a little more shine for the fact that every time you show up on somebody's podcast, even this one, the <laughs> damn rent just <laughs> got raised, just did okay? 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 You know what <laughs> I'm talking about? We just you paid just show the up rent. on an Austin show, and, and <laughs> goddamn, the, the 20 by 20 just Let me tell you something right now. We're going to spike the ratings on this some gun. <laughs> so, I mean, did, uh, come on. Is somebody going to notice and, get, and give you guys a little bit? That, we're going to do that yeah. no matter what. When this yeah. is all said and done, if somebody doesn't give it to us before, we will do that. We love doing it, and for whatever reason, people like listening to our BS. And so. If only they had a camera at with us for the hour and forty-five minutes we stayed at Stone Cold's after we were done. Yo, it would wow, be even wow, better. Wow. Nice. That would have been Stone Cold was on fire. They finally kicked us out. So you got to get out of here. <laughs> I've had enough. I got a talk show in the morning. Then we thought he was lying about the talk show just to get us the hell out, but he wasn't. He went to Craig Ferguson, and we <laughs> yeah. found out. What do you guys say is the most surprising thing about WWE? For I mean, you've obviously been. Yeah, had other stops in WWE, so it's more so for you. But in this latest run, I suppose coming back I mean, to the company. you know, he he was, I think how cool all the boys are. I think we I, we knew a lot of them coming back or coming in for me, but I just didn't I didn't know how it was going to be. I mean, that first day coming up coming to Raw after WrestleMania when we first signed, I just was like, oh man, how's this going to go? Like it just, just it, but all the boys are cool. I mean, everybody's cool. I mean, it's just. You know, it's a it's a it's a cool setting to be involved in. There's, it's such a massive, it's a massive thing. I mean, there's a, like I said, there's a hundred writers running around, and there's production crew who've been there for years that have known him that have been there for twenty five years. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's just a it's just a massive setup, man. I, it's unexplainable. Hey, keep grinding. You guys are doing something right. You fit into a schmedium shirt very, very nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's great, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is great there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Keep going out there, Nate. Move some merch. Make something happen. Move some product. All right? Thank all you, right, good brother. brother. Thanks, Thanks for the support. Us. Believe it. Sure. Believe it. All right, Dolph Ziggler. People live their life to, to, to get the kind of career moments, WrestleMania moments. You had a night after WrestleMania moment. True. That was sick cashing in against Del Rio. Describe yeah. that pop and that feeling in front of the crowd. Um, I was expecting something big and important from a fun crowd and when my music hit and I went down the ramp and I first stepped out I uh the sound of everyone's reaction hit me and I almost froze for a second but I was on a mission and going and it was one of the coolest moments that no matter what happens in 13 or 14 years here that has ever happened to me that I can imagine that has happened on any of our shows in that time because it blew me away some people think that's the most iconic cash in. If it is, what makes it so special? Uh, because, like, so Seth cashed in at WrestleMania, but he's always been an anointed guy. He was part of the Shield. He was 500 and 0 as the Shield beat everybody up. I was always a guy who wasn't anointed a winner. So it was more of a victory for all of us when I won. It was cool. It's cool to do it at WrestleMania, but if you win all the time, it's a little less cool. You know what I mean? So it was extra special to me for someone who was a bad guy who lost every match to have an entire arena go, yes, we helped this happen. And they did. So it was pretty cool, All man. Right, finally, 
I say on my podcast all the time, you're the most underused guy. You should be in the main event. You should be competing to for be the fair, WWE Championship. To be fair, I'm not underused. I wrestle every single live event that we possibly have. If you're speaking of my character not being as creative and out there, you're absolutely correct, but I will do everything I can. How do I we burst that power. bubble? I'll, I'll write letters to my local senator. I'll do what I have to do. It doesn't matter. You're, you're picked or you're not, and every single step of the way, I will fight until I get it. And if I get it, I get it. And if I don't, I went down swinging. Hey, thank you. You look great, by the way. Hey, right? We both look great. What you're building this run of putting forth this old school identity, how important is that to you in, in, in getting yourself over and establishing yourself? For us, I mean, it's just, it's kind of like a, we're a throwback. We, get, we like to honor the past. We like to put our own spin on it, something new, something modern. So like, But these are the guys tonight that we've watched and we've been influenced by and we've kind of drawn all this from. So, I mean... For us to kind of implement what we do with what they do, I think it, it makes a world of difference for us. And once we kind of get that established and everybody sees what we do, it, uh, there's nothing that's going to stop us. What's the key to making tag team wrestling in our a science, in your opinion? Knowing the rules and using the rules to your advantage. Like There's so many people who don't use the five count. They don't use the blind tags. They don't use things that make tag team wrestling different and unique and exciting because there's instead of a regular singles match, you have two guys in there and the referee with with tag team wrestling you got four guys and the referee there's so many moving parts and figures and it's just there's so much more you can do just because there's extra bodies and i, I see that so often like not get utilized and not get taken advantage of and that drives me crazy so our thing our whole point in life in wrestling is to make sure shut up <laughs> is to make sure that you see the art. You see the difference. You see all these things that you don't see anymore because it's a lost art. People still talk about that Survivor Series weekend takeover match with DIY. At this point, is that the, the defining match that you point to in your in your run? Um, as far as reaction-wise, I think, yeah. But for us, I, I would say takeover Dallas with American Alpha, Gable and Jordan, because we were kind of uh, under the radar champions at that point. We were, we were kind of written off as like transitional champions or just like a flash in the pan. But once we had that match with those guys, I think the world started to take notice of everybody, especially like, okay, maybe these guys aren't just riding on the coattails of end zone cast. Maybe they're not just doing this. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, that was kind of like the coming out party where it's like, okay, hold on a second. These guys are really good with whoever they're in the ring with. And then from there on out, I think it was just kind of balls to the wall. Well, we love watching. Thanks so much. Great talk. Thank you. Appreciate it. I called her a legend and I meant it. Oh. WWE legend Mickey James Thank right now. You. And I say that with respect because you're so sweet. Thank you've you. had a career that spans multiple eras and you're still bringing it at such a I high level. I am still so bringing it. Considering we're in this women's evolution, which revolution, however you want to call it, you are one of those people who can remember the before and the after. How is it for you to be able to be still active going through such a fertile time? Ah, it's been incredible. And I do feel like, you know, even my first run here is I feel like that's what's inspired this whole evolution, if you will, because we were having some incredible matches and, and, you know, from the first ever false count anywhere matches to, you know, I remember when Lita and Trish main event at the show and, um, you know, but to now see all of this hard work pay off and to get that recognition and all the, you know, these very monumental moments as far as the, the first emulation, emulation, I can't even say it. Elimination, Elimination. Chamber. Of course, it's been a long morning. My mouth is tongue-tied. Uh, and the R Royal Rumble, all these first of the 
it's it's awesome. It's well, so awesome. Uh, you know, and I, calling you a legend off the start, it wasn't to imply that you're still not bringing it at a high level. So I want to ask oh, you I, about I'm, that longevity. How, how are you, you doing this? How are you able to? Um, I think it's just you have to find ways to reinvent yourself and to stay current. It's just like within any industry, you know, rock stars do it all the time. We are rock stars just in an athletic form. Um, but to say stay current and and keep up with you know the changing of the times which is hard to do sometimes like we all like get stuck in our little what works for us but sometimes that especially with technology and everything nowadays and everything so readily available but um yeah and plus i never stopped working <laughs> never stopped working hard you know so i'm sure everyone asks you about just stratus and your long-term feud with her yes my question is and it's gonna be it's so i'm gonna ask about it but the question's a little bit different when did you both know that it was something different, something special? Because that's not an angle that wrestling fans see or saw much at the time, especially from women in WWE. Right. Um, I, yeah. And if you think it took six months, it was six months of building. I was so fortunate to have that be my start um, because I was supposed to debut a couple of times and then that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, this opportunity to immediately get pushed to the forefront of the division and be aligned with Trish, um, who was obviously the cream of the crop. Like she was, you know, her and Lita, they were like, they were it. Right. So I was immediately put into that same level with them. Um, and I think it just, you know, it set the, it set the, the pace for the rest of my career. Um, and how the fans see me and how, you know, the level of like what the, the office and what the company saw mm -hmm. me at. Um, so I was very blessed for that. And then I just learned so much from her. And I feel like as we were going through this storyline, I couldn't tell you like which moment like made that defining like, oh, but I'm sure it was when I first turned on her right at the, um, That NBC special, the NBC special, Saturday the Night. Saturday event. Night Main Event or whatever. That's that show I turned on her. I finally turned completely heel, completely psychotic. That was the moment because I felt like the people, I felt like that was the one where we, we got them. Right. Because they were entertained. You know, they were, throughout the duration of that entire thing, I was doing some silly stuff, like crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And the between, you know, her, whatever. It was so cool. But at that moment, I, that was like the moment that they were waiting for because then they knew, like, this is going somewhere. Um, and even still that took from January all the way till April before we actually had right. that championship match, you know? So that's a long time, even in that bit. Absolutely. So it was all that from October until January, just building my character up enough to have, make that one moment mean something when I finally turned on her and then have the, you know, that payoff at WrestleMania was incredible. Yeah. It I was wanna, incredible. I want to close with something fun because you never know what the fans are going to attach to, whether it be a gimmick, a catchphrase. Hashtag biscuit butt has become a thing, <laughs> Mickey James. I know. It did surprise me because it's one of those things. Okay, so biscuit butt is a southern saying, obviously. Um, and it's not even an insult. Like, it doesn't mean that you have a terrible butt. It actually means that you have a cute butt. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but it's just, I think it's something my dad used to say, like, get your little biscuit butt over here. Like, one of those things. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm coming. Um <laughs> And I just thought it was funny to throw in there, and it's really, it's really caught on. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, 
it's hilarious. It's so ridiculous. It's always the silliest stuff. Like yeah. you try to get something like really witty or clever over or something that you think like this could totally be an amazing t-shirt. And it's just like some things flounder and some things that you That's never funny. expect to get over. Like just... we we appreciate your influence and impact on the business and everything you're still doing oh, today. Thank you. thank you so much for I joining I can't wait us. for you to wear your biscuit butt t-shirt too. It's... <laughs> he will wear it though. No, that's I can't a, wait. That's right a shirt there. he will that's wear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Adam, wow, a lot of stuff you can take out of that there. A lot of entertaining stuff you can take out of that. I don't think we had more fun interviewing anyone that weekend than Gallows and Anderson. No, those are, those are some good brothers. I mean, they just are. Um, very candid, didn't try to, you know, sometimes when you interview wrestlers and WWE superstars, they don't know the angle that you're going to come at them in the interview. They may think you're trying to kayfabe them a little bit. And and you heard that last week with the beginning of our Ember Moon interview. And then she understood, oh, no, they're talking to me for real. Good Brothers sat down. They were ready to go. They talked honestly the entire time, answered every single question, um, and didn't hold back. And you ha- saw what he discussed. I'm sorry we didn't get it out early enough, come to fruition uh, Carl Anderson basically said, yeah, we're not long for the Balor Club. It's not really going to stay together. It was nice while it, it was going on, but it's temporary. And boom, two weeks later, they're gone and it's over. Maybe there's maybe the club happens again. Maybe not. Who knows? But they're off to SmackDown. And by the way, if you don't think, and I don't know if the Good Brothers will actually be used on SmackDown how they should be, sort of how they were at times in that New Day feud a little bit more than a year ago, the, the comedy play it up. If you don't think that they don't that they shouldn't have their own network show or something shouldn't be done with them, I mean, just listen to that interview. Listen to them on when they show up on Jericho and Austin's pod. I mean, these guys are just hilarious. Hey, something from that that was a short Dolph interview, but not only did I enjoy the recollection of, of that famous cash in, but it felt to me like he was kind of being honest and saying, "Look, I'm not one of Vince's true guys, and I never will be." And then he gets this great McIntyre reveal that we just broke down uh, on Raw. Did we get played in that spot? Is is he not going to get the push that we hope he is? What did you sort of take away from that? No, I don't think we got played on it. Um, first of all, you're making the assumption that WWE booked that before WrestleMania, which, I mean, we can't trust that they think that far in advance at any point. So I don't know about that. Um, no, I think he believes that. I, I think he has consistently said he enjoys his job. He just knows that he is WWE does not believe in him as a main event championship holding talent, which is crazy because when he did cash in the money in the bank briefcase next to maybe Rollins, and I'm trying to think back, that reaction from the crowd on Raw was incredible. They were fully behind him. And whenever he gets an opportunity, and I say this all the time on this on the show, whenever he gets an opportunity on the mic and in a program with someone real, it's good. And he just needs the chance to show that, whether it's with a mid-card title, the tag team title, or a world title. It just seems he's not going to get that chance with the world title again. Yeah. Hey, special thanks to all of our guests. I, I hope Ziggler does, by the way. But special thanks to Chris Jericho and everyone else we just heard there. We got a lot more great sound coming your way in the near future. No question about it. Adam, before we exit, we do want to put our hands right in the middle of that field spot. And I thought my field spot was going to come from 205 Live this week, not just Buddy Murphy missing weight, by the way, which I love sort of these storyline developments. I think it might end up coming from that tornado four-way main event match. I just didn't get a chance to finish it. So it's an an incomplete field spot, but it was starting to tickle just a little bit. Oh, you didn't finish that? I did not finish it. Was it fantastic? (laughs) Dude. I mean, you want to talk about 205 Live being back? The fact that these four guys randomly put on, I mean, definitely the match, the best match since WrestleMania. Whoa. And, well, that's not saying much. It's only been 
two Raws and two SmackDowns, right? That's a fair point. It's not, not much has happened. The best match since WrestleMania and a match that you could have put on any card WrestleMania weekend and would have torn the house down. This match was freaking right, incredible. Because the build has actually been really good. You had you had the, the Japanese guys, uh, Atami and uh, Tozawa, trying to pull off the masks that one week on 205 Live. So it's been a good Atami. build. Atami trying to do that. Yeah. Atami, yeah. So uh, incomplete. My real feel spot is this. I was at that Raw show Monday night, and it was my kids' first show. My 10-year-old twin sons. And I delayed that for a couple of years. We thought we were going to cash in this money in the bank, so to speak, and go to their first show. And look, everybody remembers their their first show for me, 1986 Palace Theater, Waterbury, Connecticut, a tiny little like C show for WWF back then, right after WrestleMania two. Terry Funk in the main event. By the way, I can't even find that show anywhere online that it actually happened, but I know in my mind it did. But I got to do this with my kids on a Monday Night Raw Superstar Shakeup, and a lot any any other dads out there that know that moment is. It's just incredible to see the, the you know, granted with third row on the floor, that of course increased it, but to see that, that just it be real to them in that moment and, and enjoy the, the pomp and circumstance that comes with the, the run-ins, the entrances, everything like that. It was a true feel spot moment. Well done, WWE Hartford that night. So you said that you're, you had told me offline that your kids were slow. You saw them slowly fade away from wrestling. What do you think Monday night did? Did it reignite some passion? What are you thinking? Yeah, they had slowly faded away from an attention span of caring when I would bring them into it. And I think this reignited it, no question about it. To get, They love Sami Zayn. To see him there in that sort of one-night faction fired them up. And yeah, look, honestly, women's matches aren't their thing. And there was a gluttony of women's matches on Monday night. But they just got caught up in the pop from Ronda Rousey running in to the booing of Roman Reigns. It was just a pure old school wrestling moment as a dad. So I encourage everyone out there to, Hey, take, if it's real to you, damn it, make it real for your kids. Go, go cash in that moment. It's, it's an, it's amazing. So on that old school wrestling tip, my feel spot is Mickey James for this reason. First of all, she did the job to Ember moon, which was great. Very admirable. Good to see Ember moon continue going over on raw, getting a push. So Ember moons hit that eclipse and we've seen it now dozens of times in NXT. Right. And we saw it once on raw last week. Mickey James sold the Eclipse, a la The Rock selling the Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> Made the move look like the greatest finisher of all time. Go back and watch a clip and tell me that Mickey James should not be wrestling in 2018 when she can sell moves like that. Feel spot for me. It actually had me go, whoa. And if you're going to have me do that while watching wrestling, you get the feel spot. Boom, Mickey James. That was a great moment. By the way, cool to hear Mickey James, by the way, talk about spanning multiple eras in our interview with her this week and sort of, you know, still having it at, at, at this age in her late 30s. Looks great in person. Shout out to Mickey James all the way. And that move, the Eclipse, as we learned last week from Ember Moon, previously called the O-Face. So, uh, you know, hey, hey, well, you know, what do you... Hey, all right. Hey, in this corner, pro wrestling in the book, Adam, I do want to say one thing. Everyone out there listen to our weekly boxing episode from this week. Also check out our special Karate Kid edition Really getting you fired up, not just for the new Cobra Kai series coming to YouTube Red. We got an interview with Billy Zapka, who, of course, plays Johnny Lawrence in both the original Karate Kid, also in this new series, and a deep dive with, with BC and the bros really going in on the Karate Kid trilogy from the 1980s. Some nostalgic, fun stuff that you don't want to miss. Follow us on Twitter at Silverstein Adam at B Campbell CBS. Follow our show at In This Corner CBS. Adam, you know how we like to close things here. We out.